Hello and welcome to episode 268 of the Creighton Crowbar. It's the 16th of January 2019. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Tom Francis. Hello. And Alex Wiltshire. Hi. Some uh, bad news at the top of the running order. This is the um, the final ever episode of the, of the Creighton Crowbar. <laughs> and in fact, we're going to have to delete all previous episodes of the Creighton Crowbar because um, Tom Francis has personally banned me <laughs> from having opinions. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I did do that. Uh, well, with that in mind, I think this is a time for reflection for all of us. Uh, and maybe some humble kind of considerations of how we might talk about these kinds of issues in future to avoid these kinds of confusion. And today wasn't really about Chris or Tom. Yeah, in <laughs> many ways, in many ways, this is about us as a group of people in a room, mm. about mm. as an industry, <laughs> uh, maybe even about podcasts as a medium. What it wasn't about is the thing I just said, which wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was a, uh, this reminds me of a recent news <laughs> in which, um, it was announced that, uh, purely coincidentally, of course. <laughs> a company called Improbable, um, said that, uh, Unity had changed their terms of service such that any games being developed with Improbable's cloud technology, um, uh, or that were currently live and using it were going to be brought down and in breach of unity's new terms of service it was by and, a certain time as well wasn't it It was a very specific day and time right and so this was it, the software is called spatial os and it's kind of it's basically your server is running in the cloud and so i don't know unless you do stuff you can't do on a on a local computer um and it integrates with like unity and unreal engine and various other engines but um its integration with unity was never like an approved partnership and um they posted a very dramatic blog post suggesting that it was the end of the world for anyone like you know if you spent five years working on a game with this technology well tough you just can't release it um and then unity came back and said uh actually uh developers are fine you can still keep making games in this and you can still release them but we've revoked the licenses of the of improbable and improbable came back and said well without the licenses we can't support anyone using it and so we can't really let you use it because you know at any time it uh, could break and we were legally not allowed to help you or do anything to it or update it or anything um uh, but they in between that they <laughs> did a very bizarre blog post <laughs> in which which was, you heard a, a rendition of from chris there <laughs> about it being a time for reflection and humility on both sides and <laughs> before anything had been resolved it was like nothing all that happened is they'd come out and then been sort of some people have pointed out they might have overreacted and they just acted like it was all over and it was like, oh, well, it's time for everyone to really learn a lesson and move on. And, and yeah, ultimately it wasn't really about us or, or Unity. It was about other things. Yeah, it was, it had the feeling of a, uh, uh, like a TV mid-season finale where they don't know if they're going to get renewed. You know, that kind of like, well, I guess in the end, this was all about the, the friends we made along the in way. the EULA. You know, <laughs> some good has come of it because Unity have just yesterday or today um, posted another update on it where uh, they have reevaluated their terms of service in light of, you know, because it was a big controversy. Was, uh, when only in Prowl's post was up, it was a massive anti-Unity hate wave on Twitter. It was absolutely like a ban. Everyone stop using Unity because they've had this evil terms of service and anything you do might become illegal at any moment. Um, and even after you release your game, they might retroactively change the terms of service so that you're now illegal. Um, and then, uh, that settled down and Unity said, no, don't worry about, about it for developers. Um, but now they've gone further and, and reevaluated the terms of service and extended it so that it actually, 
they still don't approve of of improbables thing but they change the terms of service to say you can use stuff that we don't approve of we just can't give you any support for it um okay. and also another um thing which actually the, the only thing that really had me worried was um the idea that unity if they change the terms of service in future uh, can invalidate something that was fine when you made it you know i made it in unity 2017 and uh it was in accordance with the, the terms of service then and then in 2027 <laughs> they changed their terms of service and that invalidates what i did uh that was technically true until now uh and they've now said officially that uh you know if you use unity 2017 then you only need to abide by the 2017 terms of service so even if we change it in future to something you hate that's, that's totally uh, bad for you uh, you're still safe but it's like that is like classic terms of service horror show stuff because a lot of terms of service don't actually hold up in courts of law you know mm. because because it would be insane if if you signed you know if you agreed to a terms of service by using unity in 2017 right um you know and then you stop using unity you know obviously surely like you would never be bound to the rules of an updated terms of service that you never agreed to in yeah. 2019. Mm. So, but then, you know, but it's, it's the uncertainty. Like, and watching some developers, particularly Spilt Milk, who make a, um, a, like a, a shooter game called, um, Lazarus or in the middle of developing it, sort of were quite vociferous about the fact that this game they've been working on for two or three years is suddenly, like, as far as they were concerned, for a few hours at least, was dead. Like, straight off the bat because of shenanigans at some level and mm. it's horrifying i think the it it centered on the idea that you weren't like the terms of service would weren't very clear but that you couldn't run an instance of unity on a server it had to be on the player's machine i think that was what no you can run a server but it has your server has to be running windows or linux or mac or one of the supported operating systems and the problem with improbables thing is uh, their cloud thing is so like cloudy it's not even a, any recognized <laughs> os i think that's the term for it <laughs> i mean it's called spatial well, it's os, called spatial so it, OS it is yeah, an operating that, system that's the operating system um and that means unity just had uh you know if they haven't they do support some cloud platforms but when they do it's because they have a partnership with those people and they work with them to make sure that they're they're, the unity will always work with that and any updates they do to unity aren't going to break it on that particular platform and that's obviously a bunch of work and they have not been able to come to an agreement with improbable to unity tell it improbable are like bad actors who are um you know uh, forcing hands and yeah like um breaching the terms and um refusing to work with them and here in probable tell it they did everything they possibly could and gave them all the information they possibly could and they they were told they were fine for until december and then suddenly they were told they weren't um so who knows where the truth lies but yeah so it's a weird you can sort of see both sides (laughs) um in that i mean i don't know what what improbable told when and um but uh it's kind of crazy to um uh have the status of your service be changed and they had literally had their licenses revoked you know uh whatever else was was said they were allowed to keep working in unity until december and then suddenly they literally were prevented from legally using unity um and then on the unity side of it you can see why they can't just unilaterally say yes you can use like sure run your unity game on any random shit we don't know anything about and we are obliged to help you if it fucks up mm. 
I was, I was amused by the speed at which um, Epic. I was going to mention Epic. Like third gleefully ran in and went, "Oh, I can see an opportunity." <laughs> so I mean, so the so well, which may or may not be what happened. Like this is the thing: it it, it proceeded with such speed and efficiency. This drama, really, because yeah. uh, I would say that now a week later, um, you know, cooler heads do feel like they prevailed somewhat, particularly mm. with that new Unity post. Uh, when Epic sort of arrived on the scene a day afterwards to announce that. Uh, I think they were extending a, a grant or a bursary system rather than in, introducing one, but essentially like a funding system uh, to encourage or allow developers affected by these, in collaboration with Improbable, that they would support developers financially in order to change to Unreal Engine uh, if they now needed to uh, leave Unity, um, which is opportunistic obviously but it also it also ties this uh little moment in time together with the broader thing that's been happening in the last three months which is the sort of the store wars or whatever you want to call it the the rise of epic store as a as a a, a political competitor to steam if if not a practical one or you know at some point in that continuum and of that discussion and the broader question of like which one of these companies is evil which is the <laughs> the the the, the internet must decide the, the yeah. internet must decide now um uh uh <laughs> whereas the the answer may well just be it's the system um but it's interesting because also um, the Epic Store announcement was freakishly fast after Valve uh, sort of shot themselves in the foot with the um, discount for the yeah. richest one <laughs> percent thing, uh, and that at the time I was thinking, God, did they suddenly push this? Like, obviously they're planning to announce it eventually, but did they rush it to, to get it out on time? And then this announcement was crazy fast after the improbable thing. So yeah, think, they're either extremely quick or, or psychic. Those the- I can imagine actually. I don't know what their management is exactly. I don't. Tim Sweeney is like he's it's just Tim the person Sweeney, I know. Like having, <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, if he has if he has absolute power of the company and cares passionately about this stuff, he probably can just you know read the news in the morning and say, okay, by twelve. Well, it'll be, noon, it'll be Mark Rain. This, this is what exactly it'll be. It'll be Mark Rain, and he's in front of the internet all the time, and he sort of goes, <laughs> oh, oh, he sees another thing. Oh, <laughs> this is what he does at conferences, by the way. He sits down the front, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then. Oh, what what is it, Mark? Says Tim Sweeney, <laughs> and he's oh look at this, and like and then Tim Sweeney figures out what to do, and and then it's done like in an hour. <laughs> oh, this episode is rich with a little dramatic reenactment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think nine nine nine. I think the thing I was going to say is is it's like I don't I don't know. It felt very stagey. Talking theatre, the, this whole moment last week felt very stagey. Yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah. things proceeded too quickly, uh, without enough time. Like I am now someone who 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 works in comms among other things, and and you know, obviously, different companies move at different speeds, as you have demonstrated, Alex. <laughs> but there is a degree to which sort of responses uh, take time to process, and you can certainly say that the the second improbable post had the air of something that hadn't been especially planned because it didn't make any sense at all, which in a sense, even though it's easy to think to make fun it was, of. It, makes, was, it was like sort of, oh, well, we've bitten off something a little bit more than we can it, it do. Felt, it, well, it, because it looked like a company being put on the spot. Yeah. Um, and in, in a way they didn't expect. And, and that, you know, ultimately, even though it's easy to make fun of, it's, it's quite, you can emotionally resonant with a very particular feeling of like, oh, well, I think if we if we just want to call calm down, we'll find that everyone was a little bit wrong, weren't we? Yeah, I think, and um, and that had more of a verisimilitude to it than the sort of the 
maybe that initial uh, announcement and its uh, ringing of the doom bell, followed by the announcement of that that bursary program the following day. That was like, I think you know, people in that position need to be aware of neatness and the way it can play against you, and the fact that you know, um, ultimately, as much as Twitter or whatever platform thrives on drama, people don't like being shocked into uh like a, a factional sort of industry scrap i think people might I don't like. know <laughs> yeah. people did kind of enjoy it i think everyone loves to get angry with unity there was definitely some anti-epic sentiment as a result of that there anyway. was yeah that's true as well uh yeah I'm, I'm, but then again you know you can accuse people of opportunities opportunism but it's a you know it is and this doesn't excuse it being a competitive sort of marketplace environment, but that is the, the, the system that for better or worse was constructed to adjudicate these kinds of things. <laughs> and it, it, sometimes you got to live with the, the consequence. Well, maybe you don't have to live. Yeah, see, the truth is you don't have to live with the consequences <laughs> of that, but that change is often beyond the, um, like imagination of the industry. I would argue. Uh, is there anything else to say about that whole mess? Really? I think we'll just wait and see. Yeah, because I mean, it does seem to have calmed down yeah. remarkably quickly as well. Hmm. 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 There was some other big news last week. <laughs> what was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Activision. I forgot. Activision and Bungie. <laughs> oh, right. I read that. Okay, well, actually, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, no, I'd like to get your impression. <laughs> As someone who doesn't play the game or care. Uh, <laughs> I, need to, I need you to dramatize this for me. <laughs> well, so I was sitting in my chair. You're, you're Luke Smith. <laughs> I'm activist. And Tim Sweeney burst in. <laughs> like, Did you hear the news about Destiny? And the news was the Destiny, uh, Bungie now, uh, own Destiny and it doesn't have a publisher anymore. And I sat there thinking, who is the publisher of Destiny? <laughs> like I literally didn't know it didn't already belong to them. So was, I'm not the person to talk about this news. <laughs> no, I, it's, I mean, it's strange. Kind of, it came as a surprise, I suppose, because it came, seems, seems to come out of the blue, mm. but only because, I don't know, you, Destiny's just been ticking over. Like there yeah. was a, so Des, Bungie's always been a very independently minded studio, like with the, with the, um, with the benefit of success, you know, they've, they've, yeah. they've made very successful games and, um, they've managed to construct a story and a legend around the studio, which has basically been about them being fucked over by big companies, mm. <laughs> basically Microsoft, like only Microsoft really, um, where, you know, and fucked over being a strong term, like they, it's a construct, an aura of it. So they, there are all these stories about them making Halo 2 too fast because that's what they were ordered to do. And it was really bad, crunch, you know, crunch time all the way through it. And that was why the single yeah. player mode. They're always the good. rebel alliance, never the empire. <laughs> exactly. And, and yet all of their games have been benefited profoundly by the fact that they were under the umbrella of large companies. You, you know, all of what Halo was about, the online, you know, you know yeah, this was, was a, the game that, can, that, that, that helped form and, was, and create online gaming. It was the on Xbox consoles. Live game, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, and while Microsoft benefited from the fact that that was the, the, the light, the touch paper and the, the, the thing that provided a, the initial form for, uh, Xbox Live, Bungie massively, you know, profited from the fact that it had a, a massively stable, um, online environment in which to, to work. You know, mm. it, it was, it's hand in hand. Anyway, 
they made Destiny. They wanted to they wanted to make a huge, epic, hugely expensive game to make, uh, and uh, only a large company like Activision was going to be able to to pay for it. And so they got into bed with with um, Activision. And honestly, you know, from the outside, that relationship's been pretty good. And and a lot of the missteps. I mean, I suppose there's been a lot of argument about some of the uh, sort of uh, DLC for money stuff within the game yeah. has been criticised. But the earliest criticisms of Destiny had nothing to do with that. Exactly. Like the earliest criticisms exactly. of Destiny were all to do with narrative stuff. The which you know, there's been good reporting on on why they were limited in what they could do with their their engine. For example, yeah. how long it took them to render changes to any level geometry. For example, is a really simple thing that held them back when updating the game. It wasn't until tail end of Destiny One and Destiny Two that they started getting in trouble for what people would think of as the big publisher additions, like a microtransaction store. Yeah. And, um, but even yeah. then, I mean, it was, it was almost exclusive, very, very cosmetic and very yeah. hardcore affecting, you know, not the kind of things that, 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 that propel the game to a broader kind of success. Yeah. Know? Like, I think, you know, it's an interesting comparison to draw the Halo 2 to Destiny 2 thing. Both, yeah. you know, probably of, of the two games Bungie have made that have been considered to be failures, even though I don't think you can really call either of them failures. Um, that's, those are the two and uh, the twos, the twos are the two, uh, that, that tooted it. And, um, in both cases, you're right. Bungie have, have in some cases been able to go like, that's kind of Microsoft or that's kind of Activision. I don't think they have necessarily done that in this case. I don't think they'd ever be. There hasn't been the sense of like pointing fingers, but, but you look at the history and you kind of, and like, if you want to go in, if you want to go independent with the game that you made with the company that you're, you know, going for independent from, well, I do wonder how this came about. Like, yeah. I wonder what set of circumstances need to come about. That well, allow- there's a, I mean, it, it, Forsaken, which is the most recent major patch to yeah. the game or like a new content, um, has not attracted back the game uh, to the players who have left Destiny 2 over the course of its life so far, which is, what did it come out? The year before last? It came out last. No, yes. It yeah, came out in 2017. That's right. The year before last. So I think compared to Destiny 1, the player base dropped quite quickly compared to Destiny 1. And Forsaken, while being a comprehensive overhaul of all the, the important stuff about the game, and I argue, I mean, I'd argue is made it really fucking good. Yeah. Um, uh, it just hasn't really claimed those players back. And, and that, that's been talked about and in investor calls and, and that sort of thing, um, over the past few months. But, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, maybe that is part of, part of why Activision would be okay to relinquish it. Mm. Yeah. It's still, it was definitely not news I was expecting, yeah. if that makes sense. Like as Destiny starts to hopefully find its feet, we can, we can probably talk about that in a minute because I know it's what you've been playing and also it was your game of the year for, it was yeah so I thought, I thought i played the game of the year after <laughs> yeah in 2019 yeah. uh tom did you want to mention a, a valve thing that you enjoyed yeah. just while we're ticking off the the yeah. big company I was, so valve did a, an end of year post in which they mentioned uh just recapped all the things they changed about steam um specifically in the last year um and then they did a little sort of coming soon thing about what they hope to do next and one of the things was to extend their trust system and some anti-cheat stuff from their own games to just offering that as a service that other developers can have in their games. 
And someone in the comments of that said, oh, um, trust is great. You should watch this talk um, about it. And I did. And it was absolutely fascinating. It was um, uh, about Valve Antigy. It actually wasn't primarily about the trust system. The trust system is a thing where um, the uh, system tries to rate players based on how likely they are to cheat. So it doesn't track whether they have cheated or not. This particular system mm. doesn't. Because um, if they can detect that for sure, they ban you. But uh, it looks at things like, do you have, for example, and this is a real case, 49 other accounts, all of which have been VAC banned? <laughs> if you right. do, we think this account is likely to cheat at some point. <laughs> right. And that gives you a low trust rating. And what it's used for is matchmaking. So people with low trust ratings get in games together. Each other, and, yeah. and people with very high trust ratings who have shown no uh, inclination to cheat um, all get played with each other. And that means that they see cheaters less. And so the people who aren't cheating see cheaters less. And uh, it completely sucks for a few people who are uh, doing something that makes them look suspicious but aren't cheaters and they just endlessly play against cheaters. But their system is very, very conservative. It only um, starts to flag you as, as suspicious if you really do have a lot of um, uh, evidence against you. And this talk is actually about how they use deep learning to identify cheaters. Hmm. Like every part of it was fascinating. There's like three or four things, big things that I didn't know that were fascinating. And uh so the fact that they'd use deep learning for this at all, like this is already this is like a talk from a year ago, so it was already up and running and working long enough for them to talk about it back then. Um and I think I didn't really know that deep learning was sort of being used for like this many practical purposes, like in live yeah. things. I thought like Google uses it to detect dogs. <laughs> and other than that, it's more like experimental area of research. Um, but, uh, so that's fascinating. But then also, um, it doesn't just, the system is not that they have some algorithm that can detect cheating and then it just bans you. Um, they don't have enough confidence in it for that. Um, it always has to be a player jury that convicts you of cheating. I didn't know this either. Like there is a system called Overwatch with, yeah, yeah. uh, in, in Counter-Strike Go. Did I mention this is Counter-Strike Go? This is all about Counter-Strike Go. Because <laughs> um, this uh, is what Counter-Strike Go is for, is figuring out how to stop cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their cheating problem was enormous when they started on this on this stuff. Um, it was just all anyone ever talked about with Counter-Strike. Um, yeah. And uh, they have this, totally separately from the AI thing, I think they had this before they even dabbled in the AI side of things, um, uh, Overwatch, which is a jury system where if you are flagged for cheating, like someone accuses you of cheating or, or whatever, um, that gets uh, sent to a player jury. And it's not like a bunch of people who get together and talk about it. It's uh, individually many different players are sent to the replay and they watch it and they see, does this look like this guy's cheating? I assume they watch it from the, the accused cheater's perspective. So you can kind of see you where they're, where so, they're yeah. looking and huh. stuff like that. Because obviously if they're, if they're view, if they're not looking anywhere near a point that somebody pops up and then as soon as that person pops up, their view snaps to their head instantly and shoots them. It's probably more than just good reactions. Like, um, and, uh, you have a lot of players look at it so that you only actually convict them cheating if they almost all agree. Um, so it seems like a pretty solid system. It's, for example, what the criminal justice system uses. <laughs> Don't know if you're aware of that. Um, it does uh, fun fact about the yeah, white jury? The, the criminal justice system, where you see the crime from the point of view of the person who did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's so flawless. Yeah, yeah, Everyone gets to out. see the murderer murder the person, and then they're like, "Well, yeah, clearly, I, I saw that." Uh, does yeah. it have a little kind of like 
sort of <laughs> counter ca- counter terrorist kind of character with a kind of judge's really <laughs> <laughs> like a cartoon guy all like floating around yeah. like a leg dangling observe from above <laughs> what do you think let's play a game the, the, word, the thing that's really <laughs> difficult about it is it's all in, in, in black and green and you don't know what anyone's called what is that a that's Oberdin um, <laughs> <laughs> oh Shit. Anyway, yeah, yeah, because I played it in brown and oh, you did. You said it to <laughs> Commodore or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the jury system will actually convict people, but um, uh, deep learning is um, you probably heard of this and or machine learning. Deep learning is a subset of machine learning, um, and it specifically uh, is about you give it a shitload of um data and you give a shitload of outputs from that data and deep learning will figure out what the process was that that got those outputs from that input and so um they you know the system for flagging stuff just players flagging suspected cheaters that is not a set that you could feed into deep learning because um the input is like infinite it's all csgo games ever um forever and the output is uncertain they got flagged but but we don't know if they got convicted and so instead they took the input as all the stuff that was flagged and the output was all the stuff that got convicted. Um, or I guess probably all of the results, positive or negative, and fed all of that into the, the deep learner, which just looks for patterns. And <laughs> the <A> Dean learner. <laughs> <laughs> on, um, the Dean learner then, uh, it, it just gets fed a replay. And in fact, it doesn't even get the whole replay. It just gets shown. They wanted to detect aim bots was their first target. You know, they're going to extend it to, to more stuff, but their first, the easiest thing they thought to detect would be aim bots because that is where the cheat program moves your aim. And so it's a thing that they, you can sort of, um, seems ripe for pattern recognition, which is what deep learning is really good at. And so they feed it, uh, the information about everything the player was doing a quarter of a second before the shot and half a second after the shot or the other way around right. half a second before and a quarter of a second after. And it's just like where they were looking, the yaw of their viewpoint and all that stuff um, for every shot they took in, in all of their games um, or maybe it's just the game that was flagged. Um, and so that could be like a huge number of, of shots. If they were using like an M60 or something and spraying yeah. everybody, it could be a, a massive amount of data, um, but that's all it looks at. And uh, it is trained by giving it, here are all the cases that were flagged, and then here are all the cases that were convicted. Look for what the common thing is in the ones that were convicted and figure out a way of recognizing that in future cases. And when humans flag these matches and they go to a jury, about 30% of them end up getting convicted. So about 70% of the time, the jury is also is, is told um, that... Uh, they should only convict if it is beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> it really is copied from the, the real justice right. system. Uh, so they're told, even if you're like 80% sure this is a cheater, say they're innocent. Um, it's only if you're absolutely sure that there's, there's no way this person could be doing this, uh, conventionally. Um, at about 30% of the time, um, the jury ends up convicting a flagged clip that was flagged by humans. Um, the ones that the, uh, deep learning system ended up flagging, um, when sent to a jury were convicted like 95% of the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's incredibly good, like much better at humans, um, than humans at spotting it. Or I suppose the other way to look at it is that it has 
no other motive for submitting it other than if they really does think there's a cheater there whereas humans have all kinds of mixed yeah, up I suppose the, the stat you need there is how many things get submitted by both right like if the yeah. ai only submits 30 percent of the number of total submissions to the jury that humans do and those 30 percent of those that go through it's just better at identifying the same ones <laughs> yeah well they they had a sort of overall conviction rate um that they uh yeah that weird system where like Oh, sorry, a weird result where this is a, the jury thing was a, in beta and, um, it was going really well. And so they opened up to the public thinking, great, if we have 10 times more people doing this, we'll catch 10 times more cheaters. And the conviction rate just leveled out, just went completely flat. Um, and so they basically hit the limit of like what, uh, cheaters players can detect, I guess. Uh, and then when they introduced the deep learning system, the conviction rate went up again because it could detect a bunch of stuff that the humans couldn't. Hmm. It's really interesting because there's, there's, and there's definitely a Black Mirror episode in this. <laughs> exactly one. Well, Black Mirror episode. One of the questions that they got at the end of the talk was, um, uh, what if cheaters start using deep learning to figure out better ways to avoid <laughs> this? <laughs> and, uh, the Valve guy, whose name I've forgotten, I'm afraid, um, said, well, we like deep learning. It actually, the whole sophisticated thing about like, how do you write functions and learning algorithms to, to, to train on this data, uh, the algorithm uh, in practice ends up being almost irrelevant. It's just how much data you have. If you have twice as much data as that guy, it doesn't matter how good his algorithm is, you'll, you'll get a better deep learning um, mm. or learner, I think they call it, the thing that actually uh, figures this out. And obviously Valve just have way more data than right. any cheater yeah. is ever going to be able to get. But isn't also like there's a sort of hard limit to, you know, like an aimbot, you know, if you want it to hit what you want to shoot at, it's going to have to move like your your view like yep. in this unnatural way like yeah. you know i don't know quite how you disguise that or like i'm sure there are you ways could add but- loads of noise you could figure out how to you know you could get like an an ai that also shoots for you arbitrarily at different times in ways that the other ai aren't good at picking <laughs> yeah, up so like it means that dark patterns kind yeah of thing. so it's like you know you, you and if someone with an aimbot stops looking like someone whose view snaps to you immediately it looks like someone who's shooting like in a kind of jazz way like a hundred percent of the time <laughs> but like every but like in Chicago's a jazz got way a jazz they hit all the beats they need to <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. a cadence like of a shooting, freeform jazz deep learning just goes <laughs> mental on yeah exactly so that's the other amazing thing about this is that um uh they to do it they bought like a a, a new server farm basically with um <laughs> oh, God. uh they needed 3500 cores <laughs> to, <laughs> to process all this data but that is just for reading in the replays and uh basically compiling the data once they could rent it the, all of that complex processing where you take all of the data and um uh figure out what the algorithm is that detects magically detects cheaters that takes six hours at the moment and they're going to upgrade the, the hardware they run that on they just run that on like a geforce 1080 <laughs> like <laughs> under their desk and they once they upgrade that hardware it's going to be like 10 minutes to retrain the thing so if there's a new trend in in cheating and stuff as long as the jury have seen it and they've convicted then it can learn from that super fast terrifying if you are Cheating, cheating profiling, or committing a crime in 2040. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what's interesting in terms of like how cheats could get around it is this is aimbots, and like you say, there's kind of a hard limit on on how clever you can be with yeah. aimbot. But the other type of 
most common type of hack is a wall hack where you, mm. s- you can see through walls. It doesn't help your aim, but you know this guy's going right. to come around the corner. Yeah. And I can imagine there being a real like mind game to be played as, as the yeah. cheater to, to like, okay, I know he's coming around the corner. I'm not going to look at yeah. where he is, obviously. Uh, am I, I'm also not even going to look at where he's going to be just yet, but, um, yeah, there must be like, well, that means God, that'd be really fascinating. The sheer skill of actually playing in a kind of non-detectable yeah, way. Yeah, you'd almost like, it. <laughs> You can have the win, well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like there must be like there must be like a like a, a relationship good shooter players have with corners, right? Like how much time do you spend? Because like pre-shooting corners is a thing in yeah. shooters, right? So like people must end up looking at corners a lot of the time as they're <laughs> running around. Regardless of whether they or not they know that someone's about to run around the corner. Yeah. So yeah, it would be really hard to detect. Like, did you know there was someone about to run around the corner or are you just looking at the corner? Cause that yeah. is a sensible thing to do. I remember when I played Quake 3 Arena a lot or I think it was Arena. Um, you just kind of, if it's like, if like one other player on a 1v1 map, like a really small map, but just a few places where like the red armor is and where the rocket launcher is and where the railgun is. Um, I just got in the habit of just like every time I'm here, I fire a rocket at that corridor yeah. i don't see anyone there i have no reason to think anyone's going to come here but usually around this time someone's just got the red armor and they're coming that direction and then you often get a kill out of that and you look like the biggest cheater in the world because yeah, <laughs> right. there's no way you could have known like um i i'm not to skip ahead of what i've been playing so i want to return to alex and destiny but um i've been playing a lot of battlefield 5 and a guy accused me of of, of cheating the other day because i fired a little medic submachine gun at him from very very far away and got a, a headshot and a sniper achievement which is very unlikely but it's just because you fire a, an automatic weapon far far away sometime it hit thing sometime <laughs> it hit thing man die but he was in the chat like yeah that's never gonna happen gg effing cheetah quits and it's like <laughs> you know there's a law of averages that says that that just don't happen mm. like you fire thing did he have a jury it. of his peers with him he did yeah <laughs> like you were massively convicted yeah <laughs> You've gone into the deep learning machine. (laughs) I got really flattered in Rocket League once where I was having a good game and I got a good goal and the guy said, fucking bots. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. (laughs) He thinks I'm a bot. That's that's fantastic. And then someone pointed out to me that they were looking at the scoreboard and they pointed out to me that the rest of his team were all bots because they'd all quit. (laughs) He's pissed off with the shitty bots on his team, not that I'm so good I must be a bot. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, Mm. so Mm. you gave Destiny your game of the year. Well, I, yeah, I was playing it towards the end of the year. Yeah. But then I was, I got really hooked mm. on Christmas. So that's a big update, didn't it? Yeah. So we have, there's a, an update with, um, with the, oh, I don't even know what it's called because I can't, I'm too low level. Oh, I see. I can't <laughs> to get, see the name of the update. <laughs> oh, no. So to, so to, to, for it, it just me, appears like question marks, like an MMO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just skulls. <laughs> Oh, what's it called? It's, it's Black Foundry. Black Foundry or, yeah, something like or that. There's like underneath forge. the, the main, uh, kind of, um, uh, social area called the tower. There is a new area being opened up where there's a robot. What makes guns? Um, <laughs> and then you have to get a frame for a gun and then go out and shoot things and then forge it in these special areas. And it's basically the route into like a horde mode. Um, which has been opened up. Right. But you have to be a certain level to get to it. Um, which would annoy me that I can't play this new mode that's been popped into it, but there is so much to do. Mm. Like, and especially when you're low level and you have to catch up. So right now I am light level 590. That's not um, too bad. That's not that's too bad. bad at all. But 
the current cap is 650, I think. Mm. 600 and something anyway. And to forge a weapon in this new DLC, I need to be 620 ready. So I, and, and I'm not really gaining point, like light levels, power levels more than two or three a night now. Mm. And so like, it's, I've just been it's on this you. kind of, I've been on this mountain for a long time now. <laughs> and I'm getting the feeling that by the time I'm at the right level, they're going to release another video <laughs> see, and I'm going to have to, that's the trick. You're always racing them. But there's, there's shitloads to do. Like, uh, there are so many sources of the things that you need to increase your light level. So just to explain how it all works, because it's kind of like a slightly weird leveling system where, um, everybody's level is displayed for all to see, but it's most used somewhere in the world because that'll be 50, which is the level cap. And that, that only really makes any sense if you've only just started playing the game and you're playing through all the story stuff. Yeah. Like once you're at 50, you're meant to be in the end game stuff, but that is you have you have just started playing the game by the time you're at 50 from fundamentally um from then on your level is defined by your power level and your power level is defined by your gear so um as you run around and you shoot stuff and you do quests and you do bounties and you do all the other things that uh, you can shoot people and win games whatever um you uh you, you know con Items drop, um, gear drops, guns and, and, um, yeah. uh, clothing. And they're all given a light level. And, uh, your, your light power level is the average of, of your gears okay. light level. So that can go down if you like take something off. So if you take stuff off to, to use a favored gun, yeah. for instance, yeah, your, your power level It's like down. a gear score, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it does affect your, uh, damage output and your, and your, um, your your kind of damage on a, mitigation on top of what the gear stats is on top of the gear yeah stats, it has so. a kind of like uh it is a, it is a level as well it has a kind yeah. of level scaling so so if you if you go into an area where there are high level things and and it's not really like an mmo where like there is a defined area there are certain activities that you'll do which you're just not capable of. you just mm. you will not be able to do any damage in that kind of level scaling kind of way but it's you know, you kind of know when that happens and it isn't, doesn't really impinge on you that much other than you know there are parts of the game you can't get to. So for instance, the raids, they, mm. they are very specifically, you need to be like level so such and such to yeah. get through there and you will be fucked if you try to do it. In fact, you may not be able to. You, you can't below. So there's always a threshold. So yeah, there's, there's a threshold, threshold where you can try and it's hard and then. Yeah then because it tells you it says like yeah. the average light level needs to be about 580 for this and then but you can try it at 560 and if you're amazing maybe you'll pull it off yeah and then you can also i quite like the system because it sometimes means that like it's quite sometimes good to wait and do the raids when you're 600 when the next expansion's coming out and then you can go back and do them on easy and just see them and yeah. it's kind of nice yeah no and it, it, you know i think it fundamentally that basic setup fundamentally works and you know and there's always those stuff to do and there there is prescribed ways of getting the gear that you want after Mm. you get to a certain power level the 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 gear that drops most commonly for you um will always be a percentage lower than your current light level meaning that it's junk yeah more or less the reason it's not quite junk is that um when gear drops it's given a bunch of random stats like bonuses and sort of buffs and things 
like the or effects that 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 increase your super regeneration or that that might be there's a masterwork system where you can where a certain stat is buffed and you can put uh resources into leveling that up over time and that those resources are very expensive so if something drops at level four or five then shit that's a good piece of gear because mm. it means that it's not going to cost so much to get up you can also feed gear to other and gear, and you can feed gear into <laughs> other gear to increase this light level but only you know uh, as in you can take the light high. level from one thing and apply it to another thing of the same type yeah. so if you get like a a, shot, a shotgun that's really high light level but you don't like anything about its handling you can feed it to a hungry lower but, level shotgun but yeah and it'll but it but you won't but it, but the fact is that because the this stuff that's dropping is lower than your level you the feeding doesn't really work because you're you're going to want stuff at your level not the lower level so it this yeah. isn't quite as complicated as it sounds yeah we've managed to make it sound very complicated but, but yeah. it's um uh but it means that there are very specific activities you can do which color which drop powerful gear <laughs> like the the linguistic sort of um structures they're just running out of words yeah. as the as the power and the numbers go up they're running out of words to describe the extra have, level of bullshit you have to do have they used the word epic yet no there aren't no because really? legendary exotic exotic yeah. okay. is the word for epic which just means pineapple flavor everyone knows that <laughs> but the um uh but these activities are all fun. Like they're, they're really good. Hmm. So once a day you can play Gambit and that will guaranteed drop you a piece of gear, which will be like just a few low light levels, like above what your current yeah. light level. So that was, that will guaranteed you will hmm. slightly increase your overall thing. Um, you don't know what that gear is going to be. And maybe it's going to be a piece of shit, but you can feed it into other stuff. You know, it's never a waste. So you play Gambit and Gambit is fucking awesome. It really is like, we've we've talked about gambit yeah, yeah we have we? yeah yeah we definitely so have. It's, it's still fun um uh you can play some crucible play one or three games mm. crucible bam there's another piece you can go and do some bounties and like you do enough bounties in a week you get another thing you you know yeah yeah it's been the, like this since for second and you, there are huge areas like the 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 kind of the large kind of planetary areas that you can run around in um there are rich with with weird and sort of chains events based stuff that goes on yeah and there are quests to get new guns um that a multi kind of stage and you have to shoot such and such number of things with a certain gun and or you have to find these special caches of stuff around the levels and they are hidden in places i didn't know you could get to the the, the current uh, forsaken uh the new area that was uh or the the second new area yeah, in, the dreamy in city. forsaken the dream city is a place that is like chris has already described it but like it's really very very beautiful and it is incredibly complicated place to explore there's areas that i keep i didn't even know existed i, th- yeah. I keep coming across there are huge numbers of secrets there's a sort of a, a, an item that you can take which allows you to see these portals that are hidden in the environment that you can go through that you would never see and, and there the are loads thi- of yeah. other hidden things huge amounts of fiction and stuff well, and to- the whole thing progresses through time every four weeks and then and it goes yeah. backwards in time but certain elements of it remain persistent which is nuts yeah like i constantly I've always shifting. had a bit of a, a thing for good mmo's own design and interesting mmo storytelling design yeah. and it's both like, it really that's does. why that's why i'll always forgive bungie their yeah. occasional dalliances with blaming the the man upstairs for their problems because 
oh when they get it right it's yeah like it's 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 intensely rewarding whether you want to absorb that kind of stuff or you just want to play there's so much to do um but one of the fascinating tensions in it is though that that emerges from all this constant need to to push that number up is that um i I mentioned earlier just now the idea of master working where you can put expensive resources into leveling up your gear and once you've got to it to the maximum point so um a weapon master works up to level 10 and um uh, clothes clothes helmets and stuff uh, it master works up to five um uh and you you nobody does it i yeah, don't do no it. One does it it because uh you're constantly changing your gear like you you mm. have to because there's always something else to to you know there's a slightly level higher level um to feed gear into another to 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 buff the thing that you wanted to wear it costs the same resources that it does to masterwork and you they are in short supply and you, you just don't you don't keep the thing i am wearing the worst clothes at the moment i look awful like i'm wearing an exotic chest plate which has got which is like a uh full of pineapples <laughs> yeah just, you know all of the rarities just look like one fruits. big pineapple <laughs> the comes rar- with a headpiece the rarities are uh ready salted <laughs> apple Hed- hedge blueberry okay. uh blueberry what's a purple flavor Blueberry. What does purple taste like? Blueberry does. Yeah, but bl- blue is blueberry. Sure. Oh, blackberry. Aubergine. <laughs> aubergine. <laughs> aubergine and pineapple. <laughs> you know, the five rarities. <laughs> this, and then it's just mishmash of horrible things. I'm a hunter and it, yeah, it. Oh, just, you can end up really looking terrible. Yeah, it? I look really bad at the moment. <laughs> but, but it, it, it I, you know, I have playing, like a transmogrifier thing. No, it doesn't. No, yeah. no. No, I, mean, I, I like, I don't, I really don't like transmogrify systems. Personally, I'm, I'm against them. It feels a bit of a cheat, tra- yeah. tra- transmogrify. Like, it feels that when you've got your special kit, like, you don't really. It detaches it. something essential from, like, cause I, for all of this talk about loot systems and how they work and how they work as retention and why they're fun and everything else, it's like, um, there always exists in tension with your suspension of disbelief and like good, like RPG design allows you to believe that something of the world remains real, even as you become a magic person that like swaps their pants out once per adventure um which makes it sound much sexier than it actually is <laughs> like the you know the this is the issue that rpgs face is that they're partly games about min maxing numbers and 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 partly about being a character and um i've always had a chip on my shoulder about you know if you think about how gear is traditionally handled in like um either classical storytelling or, or even fantasy literature now it has nothing to do with the way gear is handled in games with the exact same fictional setup in video games. You know, the, the archetypal fantasy story is someone is given a magic sword at the beginning of the story and discovers what it is or how, how it works as the story progresses. Like, you know, Frodo isn't given sting and then it's like, Oh fuck you sting. I found iron sting plus one. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> that, that is or just like 
broadsword of flame just like kind of boring but really yeah. good yeah. <laughs> items oh, <laughs> God, this thing has this deep personal significance one. it looks awesome it's got a custom model and everything but this thing's just better and it's just yeah. a normal yeah. flame imbued sword and like and for me like transmog is the last step in completely destroying that because at that point you've literally said all right all right player you've got this pile of numbers and you've got these visual assets yeah. just pick whichever <laughs> ones you like yeah. we don't we don't care yeah. uh, whereas like something for me of like you know, I have to wear this stupid looking cape because I need its stats right now. At the very least, incorporates the idea that gear has power into the world, even if it's dumb. Like, it's dumb that every, you know, I used to, uh, I haven't played Destiny as meticulously as I used to, but in Destiny 1 particularly, like, I took screenshots of my character at the end of the life cycle of every expansion. Yeah. When the next yeah, one was yeah. the next day, because, like, You've I look. finally perfected I look pristine now. Like, <laughs> I have a, I know what this character looks like. I have, I have the comic book version of this character where if you had to draw this character as part of a story this is what they would look like and tomorrow i'm going to look like a clown <laughs> because like i'm going to pick up like bright red shoes that i need because they're better than the stuff i raided for and and so on i would love a transmogrify system where i've got this ugly brilliant item and i'm allowed to like chip bits off it and repaint it but every time i do it yeah. loses a bit of its value like, like <laughs> it loses one of its stats i chip this gem off the shoulder and now it doesn't give me a strength bonus <laughs> you lose your deposit <laughs> oh yeah you can't sell it if you do <laughs> yeah exactly yeah being able to like paint your stuff would be great or like you know you know well you voided the warranty so <laughs> exactly. on your head be it <laughs> you jailbroke hope yeah. you like it yeah. now <laughs> But yeah, in Destiny 2, there are just so many things that you're looking for in any Actually, sorry, that's item. what soul binding is in Order of Warcraft, right? It's voiding the warranty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's we should bring that into real life, I think. Like, if you, if you jailbreak your iPhone, it's soul bound now. <laughs> no one else can use it. That again. That's, what, you the, that's what the man wants you, though. You got yourself a Black Mirror episode <laughs> yeah. <there as> well, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you've said the magic word which is this thing from a computer right <laughs> yeah what is that? it bad in the real world what if it was bad it was in bad? the real world what if warranties but too much yeah exactly <laughs> um warranties you've got oh, to regulate yeah. um yeah the, the, but there are so many things you're looking for in any item like the the little stat buffs the little special effects like mm. you know the fact that every third bullet makes an explosion and like oh it's so good but then oh it's a horrible color and like oh it's also way below my level and i can't be bothered to update do you ever pick stuff on aesthetics that's worse than your current gear uh, uh yes a little bit yeah but the I thing is all the time yeah <laughs> but then but i must admit that moment where a nice cape drops and it's a big number like you think mm. Oh my god and like you know that isn't that your emotion isn't the fact that your emotion isn't purely about the number that it that there is a human aspect to it too like that that is extra satisfying yeah yeah that's and and like and the master working system i like the fact that you have to be really dedicated to care about some clothes in order to <laughs> to to have master work them all up you know and there are you know the benefits to them uh, yeah might be worth it they get a nice little the orange bit around the square <laughs> I, think, I think the system is pretty much there for people who do max out all the content in a given expansion or it's, update very it is, quickly it definitely is for that group rather of people. than people who are like or still on the treadmill because the treadmill is pretty long right they keep it's really long like yeah. and it's and it's definitely world of warcraft circa 2009 long you know yeah. 2008 long where you know the 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 
when they upped the uh the level cap from 70 to 75 whatever it was this is a uh, deep cut Alex. this is going like, right for that the was, <laughs> was like that five levels i remember taking fucking shit long you know it was really long time you know <laughs> considering it was only five levels and that's the feel that i'm getting from destiny which yeah. is interesting because i think a lot of games that involve leveling have sped up at least the accrual of numbers you know yeah they give you something something yeah. even if they don't give you much yeah there's some hmm. yeah so but like yeah it's just nice stuff mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a like, conclusion <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know I was talking to you recently but i said i don't worry about doing conclusions on things <laughs> it never helps um i've been playing two games that both have a relationship with this that are both shooters and are both completely different if you want to talk about them yeah because i've been playing battlefield 5 and Escape from Tarkov. Best Friend 5. And- Best Friend 5 and Escape from Tarkov. Mm. So uh, I don't know how quite... So Battlefield 5, I've been playing quite a bit. I bought it over Christmas and it's it was... Um, uh, as I got back to my computer in the kind of the break, I, it's one of the things that I uh, put some time into. Got on a bit of a whim uh, because my friends were playing it. But actually, I, I um, so on a top level, I wanted to say this before I get into the specifics. I have been enjoying it. Like I've only barely touched the single player. Um, and it has got problems as a multiplayer game. Um, and all, almost all of its problems are problems that, uh, Battlefield has already had and, uh, and has always have, always had, uh, like, um, uh, you know, I can describe to you the, the emotional arc of a Battlefield match, which is that, you know, at its core, it's, you know, um, 18 snipers are <laughs> setting up homes for themselves, playing Animal Crossing <laughs> at the back of the map. Uh, one person on your team is extremely good at the assault class. They are having a wonderful time. Everyone else is sort of respawning and dying in a kind of, I suppose this qualifies as entertainment middle state. The outcome of this back and forth between attack and defender is ultimately determined by who rage quits first. (laughs) Nothing matters, but a series of meta numbers go up. You level up your class, you level up your guns, you level up the vehicles you occupy, you get new stuff for all of these. And now attachments and cosmetics and cosmetic attachments, um, and new looks and, and stuff that you, uh, will then after every game, which takes, um, all it takes um every match takes longer than you have ever played a game (laughs) (laughs) it takes forever and then you quit to find that there is a a new thing notification like a kind of new that something new in this menu uh blip above every single fucking button in the game (laughs) and you have to click everything uh because if you're like me and you can't uh, live without being at inbox zero uh, is the last thing I've got and can't take that from me. Um, you know, then you have to click everything and go like, what did, what did it unlock for the medic on the axis side? Ooh, yeah. It's a mint barrel <laughs> for my Sten gun. By hmm. mint. Uh, it's just called is mint. It it's new, bluish. New mint <laughs> no, it's just or bluish. is it just kind of etc. So there's all of this, uh, all of this, uh, quantum bollocks that is sort of, uh, like, um, lavished over it. Um, and, and I find it, uh, it's, it's Moorish, uh, but empty. Um, and, um, uh, but on top of that, but all the thing you're doing minute to minute, the reason it's fun is because it is just this reliable dispenser of, of spectacle of, of really cool moments. And actually it has officially been enough time that I kind of missed world war two 
shooters mm. um there were so many of them for so long and they were gone away for a long time and i've always had a, like a hit and miss relationship with with quote-unquote realistic war games and we spoke about that with world war one battlefield one at length and i liked battlefield one by the end of its life well not it's not dead yet but it might as well be because this re- replaces it but actually um the uh even though there's a limited number of maps and they're inconsistent as maps like as bits of level design um uh, it's sort of ability to deliver this, um, sort of grand kind of, um, sort of fast paced shooter spectacle, I think is about as good as it's ever been, which is really nice. Like when, when everything comes together, it's a really, really solid shooter. I think Tom Senior spoken before about how the shooting mechanics are, are better than they have been previously, but also, um, it's nice to return to the era of like, both sort of like really gratifying bolt action rifles, but also kind of like quite potent sort of machine guns and the ability to set up nests, the fortification system, which allows you to build stuff like a pre-positioned things, but you can like lay out sandbags and build a machine gun turret and things. Oh, so the snipers literally are making little houses. Yeah. Some of them, some of them are just standing at the back of the level. You, you there will always be those people and they will never help. <laughs> like, um, but like, and it, it's, it's, it's a dice is at fault for not figuring them out yet. But I think they probably understand that a lot of their audience just plays those games stand at the back of the level with a rifle and take pot shots, basically. Um, and like the planes feel really good. And I've always loved Battlefield for being able to like go up in a plane and, and, and fly around. They sound amazing, like good Stuka honk. That's not what it's called, but you know, like, um, it's good. It's good. There's all of that stuff. Um, and I've, I've genuinely like, you have games where it just feels pointless to continue. And I think the thing that's changed for me is, um, so the things that, uh, like are interesting conceptually, but I think under, under delivered, like, um, they've been trying for years with Battlefield to find a way to kind of like do campaigns, right? Like if every, every Battlefield game is like a game of, of, of Warhammer or a tabletop game where you, you know, field all your pieces against each other and play this massive game of territory control. And they are similar and they take a hundred years. Um, then the dream of that is how do we stitch these together in a meaningful way? How do we tell a story from one match into the other? And in Battlefield five, that takes the form of grand operations, which is this, um, three part mission series where you play three games back to back and you've got to be prepared to pay for about an hour basically to, to do the whole thing. Hmm. And the idea being, and they, they start in really cool ways. So usually you'll play the first map twice and then another variant on the same map in the same environment. And it's always starts with airborne, which is where the attackers deploy from planes that are flying over the level and can be shot down with flat guns, which is kind of cool. And you parachute down and you try and deliver bombs to artillery guns and take them out. And then the next one, you kind of push up and capture points. And then the final one, it's like a showdown. And it's actually quite, um, it feels kind of gratifying. It's like an evening of play to do one or two of these, and then you get an infinite unlocks and all the rest of it. My problem with it um, stems from the fact that the winner of the whole grand operation is whoever wins the final map. It doesn't really matter what happens on the way. Mm. If the attacker wins any of the previous matches, they get more tickets, which basically means more respawns in the following matches. But actually, because games of Battlefield, I think on public servers, unless you're playing with a squad of friends and you feel like you can really meaningfully impact the flow of the thing, feel very arbitrary anyway. Like, the scale of it, it's a 64-player multiplayer game. The scale means that um, you, as an individual player, have very limited control over what happens. Occasionally, you can pull off a really good play. Squads have a little bit more control, but that's the biggest unit of individual agency it really has. No one is playing Battlefield with 32 friends. 
or 31 friends. And the problem with that is winning and losing feels kind of arbitrary and it's not mm. where the game's strength lies. So putting the overall win on the final match alone makes the whole arc feel sort of pointless, which is a bit of a shame. Um, that said, I, I do, uh, I've been in, enjoying it. Um, the, uh, the thing I wanted, um, to talk about partly, um, in particular in relationship with Attack on Tarkov, Attack on Tarkov, Escape from Tarkov, which I will talk about, um, is, um, Battlefield has one of the, I think, unintentionally funniest relationships with, uh, dying in a war zone, uh, of, of any game. And it, it speaks to, I think, some of its tonal kind of weirdness, but also, uh, have you played it, either of you? No. Okay. What, Battlefield 1, but not 2. Right. 2, 2 has a new system. Um, and I like to think of this as sort of like an attempt to, they have, they've tried hard and I appreciate it to like make medics work. And this is a thing that's been going on for ages. So, and make reviving work. Like Battlefield always feels like a, a, a the developers desperately trying to make players cooperate and players desperately don't want to <laughs> at all. Um, so that's the, that's the, the broader design thing here is like how the hell, like this is a squad shooter, which is all about setting objectives and achieving them together. However, no human being wants to do this. <laughs> I, when I played Medic in Battlefield 2, I would, uh, I love to heal people and to revive them. They did not really like being revived because they usually died for a really good reason. <laughs> and mm. it was their location. <laughs> and they're right. still in the same damn place. <laughs> so Battlefield, Battlefield. But I got the point, so I'm out of there. <laughs> Battlefield 5 has an amazing relationship with this. So, um, when you get shot, um, you go to like a lying down, I can be revived position as you, as in previous Battlefield games. At this point, a uh, timer starts ticking down. This okay. is, this is when you will die. And it's quite, grim it's you know you, you you are lying there and by default you are lying there placidly sort of waiting to die you can feel, see the red hemming in the edge of your vision mother, you can hear mother. your heartbeat well no you don't not yet oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have two options you have two options so this is just think about this from an existential point of view you can see the circular like expiry timer on your existence as this momentary instance of a battlefield man um you can either hold the left mouse button or the right mouse button if you hold the left mouse button, this is called call for help. And what you do is you basically try not to die a little bit harder than you normally would. <laughs> and it slows the progress of your death, uh, your actual death, a little bit. As your character goes through a series of, like, I think, like, ultimately, like, they got a good, they got some mileage out of their voice actors. But they got a lot out of their voice actors. And they probably got too much out of their voice actors. Because you can basically hold the left mouse button to go like, Oh, fuck! It hurts! <laughs> Medic! I'm dying! I don't want to die! I'm so young and this war is... No, there's no reason for it! <laughs> so oh, you might shit. be hearing this like 20 times. Over the <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and all the players hear this. Yeah, they do. And your bloody hand stretches to the sky. <laughs> and you clutch at yourself. And like, oh, God, what is it all for? I just really want to see like my friend run around a corner. And then the next thing I hear is this, Oh, God! God, what's it all for? God, it hurts so much. The yeah, pain, like, please. Uh, no, why? Um, it's, it's, it's maybe not that quite that, but there's a lot like, shit, medic, no, fuck, as you try not to die. And then you can also hold the right mouse button to try and die faster. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes involves the same shouting, but like in a slightly different context. You normally just go like, <laughs> I hate this, but don't help me. <laughs> and, and then, and then, and occasionally as you perish, you'll go like, oh, fucking medic. <laughs> 
And it's very good. Because- Screw medics. I don't want help anyway. <laughs> there two- yeah, there are two reasons to do this. One is the... Uh, I have accepted, well, the three. One is the, um, I have died off in the wilderness and I just want to respawn faster, which is often the yeah. case for people who are, for example, sniping at the back of the map. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, fuck it. I want to be a plane. Ah! <laughs> 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 and, um, and the other is, um, the other is, um, I, I have understood something fundamental about Battlefield, which is no one will ever help me for any reason. Because <laughs> it also shows you, it shows you the location. It gives you an icon for every near by medic on your team and how far away they are oh, God. so you can see if sometimes you'll like you'll die and you'll see medic you know medic symbol their name 20 meters away and you'll hold the left mouse oh, button. yeah that was kind of in battlefield one yeah, yeah you'll hold the left mouse button to go like oh god the light i can see it <laughs> and you'll see that they're, 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 they'll start counting down because they're running for you you know it'll come down to one meter and then they'll um they will like inject you and you'll stand back up again um and then the um and then the final reason you do this is obviously because you've you've died in a really bad place. Like you you know you've been caught out by like a machine gun trap or something, and you don't want someone to come for you because you know uh, you, they'll die as well. So you just do the earnest thing of like, oh, I just I'll die faster then, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is such an amazing abstraction. <laughs> like, um, and um, but the um, <laughs> I forgot what was going with this. The um, the where was I going with this? No one ever helps you. No one else helps. Seeing so, the countdown of medics coming towards you. <laughs> um, the uh, but the 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 yeah the punchline to all of this is everyone can revive everyone else in battlefield. Oh, it's not just oh. a medic the only thing. difference is medics do it instantly. Right. Everyone else has to give you like a pat down. <laughs> <laughs> and so the best like well they're sort of stealing kind of so no <laughs> yeah basically and um, and so so there is like a kind of there's a sort of um. There's a, I think, I love unintentional consequences of this stuff in games, but there's like a kind of, um, and I'll get to another one, but like, there's a kind of plaintive sort of politics to this. So I'll give you an example. You've been gunned down, but maybe you were sniped from behind, you know, your head was poking out above cover and you've been shot. So you're dead behind cover. It's relatively safe to revive you, but there aren't any medics nearby. And you can see this because no medics will show up. It only shows you the proximity to nearby medics. Um, however... Uh, your mate who you don't know who's on your squad, but he doesn't know who you are. Your strangers on the internet is an assault or, a, uh, the heavy support class with a machine gun or something or a sniper. And it's just hanging out next to you, uh, playing the game. He has to take or she has to take five, 10 seconds of their time to revive you if they really want to. And most people don't want to be revived because they want to be a plane or a tank. <laughs> <laughs> And so only heal me there's a moment, you can also transform me. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment of going like, you know, you, you do nothing. They'll probably do nothing. You hold down right mouse button to die faster and go like, and then they'll ignore you completely. But if you sort of like call for help enough with the left mouse button, they're kind of like, ah, oh no, it hurts. Then eventually sometimes you'll get the reluctant patting down from someone who could have definitely <laughs> just revived you from the get go. It's a weird game. It's really, really weird. I wish that like, holding right mouse was just like, I'm fine with this. <laughs> it's cool. I wasn't having yeah, a good life it, anyway. What it should be. War is, is good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this was worth it. <laughs> Dolcietta decorum est. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, um yeah it should be press left mouse button to think about all the things you regret not having done in your life 
press right mouse button to appreciate that you've had a full and rewarding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's like left mouse button to flash forward, right mouse button to flash back. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's Battlefield Five. It's good. Um, I think it's, it's nice. Yeah, it's it, it's a like it's a good jump on for an evening with mates, sort of and run around blasting stuff game. I wish it wasn't so busy with um meta advancement mechanics because these games have never needed them and that's the thing that's what they kind of seem to indicate though mm. <laughs> because they're also cosmetic like they're all these multi multi-part bits as well yeah oh, yeah if you want to make your gun really ugly you can you can definitely do that i remember the good old days battlefield 2 which had unlockable weapons but just one for every class yeah and the medics one uh, i was a career medic and uh, their unlockable gun was just insanely good. <laughs> it was just, I would, I could consistently out-snipe snipers because my gun, if you put it in single shot mode, was super accurate. It was an assault rifle, but it was a very accurate long range. And I was a medic, so I could just throw like seven med bags at my feet. And sniper rifles never killed you in one hit. They're always like, they did 95% damage. <laughs> so they'd like get me down to 5%, but I'd immediately heal to 100% with my yeah. med kit. And I would be shooting back at them and they don't have that healing thing. So I just win. <laughs> I'll a say, headshot would kill you, but a body shot would be 95. I'll say two additional things in, Bas- in, in, in Battlefield 5's praise before I move on from it. One is that they continue to try very hard to make medics good. So, I mean, medics, things people play. I play medic exclusively as well. Um, so that you're always at the top of the scoreboard because you get so many points for helping. <laughs> um, but they have accidentally, I think, made an extremely accurate rep- representation of what medic help actually looks like. So... You pick two, one of two gadgets as you level up the medic. You can either put down a crate of medical supplies, which provides healing and a radius around it, and people can go for it to resupply their healing. Um, health regen isn't automatic anymore in Battlefield, mm. so you you have to have a healing pack, and then you expend it in order to heal a chunk of your health. Because that's how it was actually in um, yeah. World <laughs> War Two. I, I yeah. read it. I read it. But yeah, uh, you don't just regen by hiding behind a a, a, a barrel until the jam goes away, <laughs> <laughs> which is how war has worked for the last ten years. Um, you you heal now by um, just pressing C, so that you heal a proportion of your health. And if you are a medic, you have infinite access to these, so you can actually heal. That's the medic thing: is you can heal back to full all the time because you're a medic and hmm. you can heal thyself. Um, if you um, your you can either put down a box to create like a place where you can rally around and and get people to get their own healing without needing you to be there. Um, the other option is you can simply like throw these healing packs to people. This is your kind of healing like active healing equivalent, and so it's like usually it's three by default. It's your action bar three, and it's they've simplified it massively. So like you no longer need to like pull out your healing kit in order to revive someone. You just go up to them, press use. Um, now you don't even need to like activate your healing item to give it to people what you do is you press three and you will automatically throw a health pack at everyone around you who doesn't currently have one <laughs> please heal like, all please at once heal. or do you yeah. sort of spin like, around like rapidly spread. like imagine you are like imagine you like you're like uh, a wizard like like, an old, like, no, like a like a magician like a kind of children's birthday party magician like throwing a deck of cards yeah like whoa and you've got like <laughs> presents for all the kids um, and the best thing about this is they are you get uh, a med kit you get a med kit you get they are the way they are programmed they are they are physics objects they are physics objects and the person is credited with because otherwise a healing kit is just an invisible it's a yes or a no it's everyone holds one at a time so it's a binary flag on their current status um you're credited it with the moment the health kit collides with you 
but there is no animation for the character catching them oh. and the health kit doesn't vanish when it hits them because that that would be the obvious thing would be just to yeah. remove the, the model <laughs> absorb into their flesh yeah they just sort of absorb it so instead you throw it at them and a lot of the time you're throwing it at people who are prone or crouching and so a lot of time it just bonks off their helmets <laughs> and just scatters away and, then, and there's so, so much- it just it just fades out or it just bounces off onto the ground it's just on the ground I'd like but to they have it it's, like, it's exactly. quite persistent so I got the valuable components <laughs> you can have the rest yeah and there's so much going on there's, there's destructible buildings and all this chaos all the time so it's only we take a moment it took me a while of playing to notice this was happening but you just press a button if you're in a crowd it's great if you're in a crowd of people who all happen to not have a med kit at the same time because you do this like fucking gambit from the X-Men like Wah! hey and, guys like, <laughs> fucking throwing bags at everybody <laughs> and they all like impact harmlessly off the back of their heads and like flop to the ground and then you start getting shitloads of points as everyone invisibly uses them and then you press it again you're just like yeah just it's like throwing a bean bag at a store mannequin like <laughs> we've all done that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I got more experience throwing medkits at people <laughs> um, it's very good and very silly um, what a weird decision to have it like physically bounce off people who technically have collected it <laughs> yeah exactly like I think it's it must be from an engine point of view it must be a case of not switching something off <laughs> Right. Be colli- some sort of- it's like, it's a collision object, so by default it has a certain properties that will allow it to ricochet off something. I wonder yeah. if this is, if it's, a, it's maybe a latency thing, because it doesn't know definitely whether the, whether Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Because you can also miss, and the person still gets it. So you can be like, someone can be like running and jumping, and you'll like clearly just throw it off a bridge behind them. <laughs> <laughs> that counts it's fine yeah. exactly. I'll get it later yeah. <laughs> it's thought that counts <laughs> it's, yeah you're very unprofessional as a medic to be honest <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, good um, so the other game I've been playing is Escape from Tarkov which is currently an early access thing it is I believe and I might be wrong about this and I'll, I'll, I'll correct myself on a future episode if I am by a bunch of ex-Stalker developers hmm. it is in any case um, extremely Stalker in some ways it doesn't have the um, it doesn't have the sort of radioactive slash supernatural component of your typical Russian kind of survival sim but a very similar setup like this city has been cordoned off so that uh, like men who look like Phil Mitchell can kill each other there. <laughs> and when I say that, I really, really mean it because, so it's a multiplayer game, um, sort of destiny structured in some ways, or at least it's a kind of persist. I don't mean that in the loosest possible sense. It's a persistent shooter. It's currently in early access, so it doesn't have all of its systems yet. Um, and it's really st- deeply strange. It, and it might take me a little bit of explaining. Basically, um, you, create a main character who is belongs to a PMC or an ex-member of a PMC and you are either an ex-bear, which is the Russian PMC, or an ex-USEC, which is the American PMC. A bear. A bear. <sighs> it is quite... The whole thing is 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 quite homoerotic in a way. It's that very it's definitely sexy didn't under un, definitely didn't intend. <laughs> what are the Americans called? You sec, you sec, you sec versus bear. <laughs> it's steamy. Like this is genuinely like this is Ukraine. It has like, an it has I, it has uh, I, like sort of fun camp appeal. Um, except for the people who are making it. <laughs> Definitely. It's very serious about its simulation. So it's a very seriously simulated, uh, uh, sort of wandering around in a, in a gloomy Russian industrial estate, gloomy Russian forest, gloomy Russian, um, office complex, gloomy Russian factory. 
um, being murdered simulator. So it has very realistic ballistics, has extremely realistic guns, uh, very realistic controls. Not like it's slightly slicker than something like armor, but has the same sort of aspirations in terms of you can use the mouse wheel to adjust exactly how fast you walk. Hmm. So it's not just run and sprint. It's like, Ooh, a little bit faster, a little bit slower. You, um, you know, ballistic damage is, is realistic. So if you get shot in the arm, you need to use a splint. Um, you know, if you get shot in the stomach, you'll die slowly and, and want some water. Like these are, you know, the two side effects. Yeah. <laughs> Death, slight thirst. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing about it. It doesn't quite live up to its own, uh, standards in that regard. But yeah, it's, it's all about the kind of realistic ballistics. If you, you can press like alt and T to check the chamber on your gun in a kind of uh, meticulously nice. animated looking inside the gun kind why, of way. Why would you look inside the gun? Is there a bullet there? Can you press no the UI. numbers like zero to nine to count individual bullets? Uh, you can't. <laughs> it's not quite receiver, but it's like, but there's, um, there's barely any UI, right? Like it's all sort of, it's that, that simulationist desire that I associate very much with games like Armor and Stalker to like make you really feel like you are in this deeply shit situation. Is Tarkov a prison? It's a city. Okay. Um, it's a city that has been designated like a special economic area and subsequently war. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is as far as I can tell the story. Um, okay. why Amazon, is it hard to leave? Why didn't Amazon know. step in and stop the war? <laughs> why didn't Amazon step yeah. in? I don't know. Uh, maybe they did. I don't, I haven't really invested too much in the backstory. Uh, the, um, what you do in it is, uh, this is where things get wild is you, um, you go on little raids, which means you pick a map and a time of day and you load into that map. And if you're using your normal character, you are always in the first six players to enter that region. And, and you'll be there for a maximum of about 35, 45 minutes. And your job is to go in, loot stuff, get to an extraction zone and leave. That is your only ambition, basically with your friends or without. Um, and all of those realistic ballistics, the sound design, it's all very much about like extremely cautious murder, basically, and stealing things and trying to get away with them. Um, if you can pull that off when you return to the hub menu, uh, you can trade stuff. So to either NPCs, uh, who the stuff that you found yeah so if you uh you know um or you can um put stuff on a extremely detailed auction house which is closer to eve than anything else so mm. it's like gun eve you 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 found an attachment for a mosin rifle you put that up for for rubles and you get some money back that you use to insure your guns so that next time if you die and no one loots your stuff you get it back that's the other thing if you die and someone loots you that stuff's gone completely then there are NPCs in the levels called scavs, which are scavengers, um, who are, their AI isn't very good and they walk around. They're basically a source of free stuff, except you can also choose to do a scav run where you become one of the scavs. Basically you spawn as a scav, like a randomly generated person in a level with a limited number of exit points available to you. And you can spawn at any point in the lifespan of that map. So if a map was sort of generated for a group of players 20 minutes ago, you might be thrown in hmm. midway through their run, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, you can only use a scav once every 10 minutes in real time to prevent you from spamming them. And when, if you escape with a scav, you can then give everything that scav owns, including their randomly generated equipment to your main player. Nice. Which is a really weird system because it sort of implies that this person goes off like hunting for you and then you take <laughs> their trousers. <laughs> um, but, I don't know if that even gets to the bottom of like why it's so strange. And like, so, so, so what, what, who's hunting you in the level? Other players and AI. So what, uh, the, um, the other players are 
other PMC people. Literally just, just other- they're, they're for the same thing you are. Mm. Right. Like the question is, do I come out of this level with your gear or do you come out of it with mine? Mm. And that comes down to, and, and because the ballistics are pretty are good and because the weapon simulation is, is gratifying, it's got this sort of like, it is, it is basically like the good bits of a DayZ game, the game, right? Okay. Just the gunfight bit. And yeah, squeezed into but a also kind of like form. nested within a bafflingly complicated sort of meta game about selling and trading guns, like bottomless gun customization. You know, you've got to like Diablo style identify items before you know what they are, even <laughs> if it's like a, a lighter or a can of salmon. So you have to stare and go like, what Kane, the what is fuck this? is this? It's a salmon. <laughs> I sense a lighter. <laughs> it says on the label, but like, and there's no limit on, like, it's like, it's opaque to a point of, um, I definitely wouldn't recommend jumping in alone. I've been playing it with, I only, I've only just started playing it, but I've been playing it with friends and that there is some, some fun to be had with that. And, and there is, I think I appreciate how defiantly unwilling it is for you to have fun <laughs> like more maybe than i actually like it like i'm still getting a feel for whether or not i enjoy playing it moment by moment because it has a really good talent for being a game where nothing happens and uh, sometimes you get like a good scav they how many to- how many people might be in a lot uh, it's hard to tell it's very much like uh, i don't know who how many people are in here because it doesn't tell you anything mm. like there are no names over players heads there's no indicate when you hit someone like this one makes a comparison with battlefield in battlefield you know when you shoot someone, they do a lot of work to make you feel like, mm, yeah, good job. You got some points for that. Maybe you'll unlock something later. In this, it's very much like you think you hit them. Maybe they have bled to death. <laughs> you know, you don't know. You can press Y to react to event. That is what the Y <laughs> button does is, is react to event. If you're looking at a door and you press Y and you should play as the Russians because then you say it in Russian, like open this. But if you've been shot, you go like, Oh, and there's no reason to do this at all, but you can. It's just role playing stuff. Yeah, it's just role playing stuff. Like it's it's very much in that yeah. vibe. It's you know, um, but to the point where it even plays against itself. Like so, at the moment, there's no character customization. So everybody is a as a gruff, bald Phil Mitchell. Phil Mitchell dude, and they all look extremely cross and walk with a slight hunch. And I appreciate that this was cool to somebody, and it is unintentionally very funny. The other issue is you obviously have different equipment, but that is your equipment is the only thing that differentiates you from anybody else. Everyone looks the same, friendly or or, or enemy. And even if you're grouped up with your friends, there is no indication who's who. There's no in-game icon or, or name above people's heads. There is no way to tell who your friends are. So 80% of playing with friends, and the more friends you play with, up to a squad of five, the harder this becomes, is clarifying whether or not yes it is you that is coming up <laughs> is this you because it's, fri- it's full friendly fire because of course it is and it's extremely lethal so if it's like so you every so imagine five people all at the same time going like and yes i'm walking through the door now i'm coming around the corner yes that's me in the big hat like that is the experience of playing it in co-op and that feels like a step too far for realism because in real life you can recognize <laughs> other people <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like um and so like the system that, uh, that my friends and I developed, they developed before I started playing with them is you can use the Q and E buttons to lean. And if you alternate Q and E, you can do a fun little waggly dance. Mm. So the thing you do is if you see another person, the moment before you shoot, you shout waggle and everyone waggles and does a little dance. And if the person you're looking at doesn't do the little <laughs> dance, they are the imposter. Executed for non-waggling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, they're yeah. shooting you as you're waggling no, the you waggle would, dance. No, you don't shoot someone who waggles. 
if they waggle, they're on your team, right? You don't shout, you don't shout it in game. The enemy would shoot you for waggling though. <laughs> yeah, right. You often give what up. What the fuck a, is he doing? Can you you yeah. give up a precious moment for waggling. But there's like, it has this admin layer to shooting anybody. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a subculture of like, Folks who just always lean left all the time. <laughs> they're just always leaning left, so they just know each other. And then there's the leaning right people. Well, I mean, and then the other of the, the anti-cheat stuff, there's an element of like, so the, the AI for the <laughs> Machine AI. learning is never going to figure this out. <laughs> he waggled and then he shot. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means human. <laughs> this is what a human is. One who waggles. Um, but yeah, like the, the scavs, the AI controlled opponents, uh, not the AI is very good and they, they're obvious just from how they move. Like they, they tend to not sprint. They just walk at a, the, the default running pace. They don't look about. So you just see someone like, it literally looks like if you plot an A to B course for an AI in a game and they just use their default animation to get there. But you can pretend if you're playing solo, you can pretend that's you. <laughs> and like, and so that, that is an element of fun to it. But again, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a weird old thing. That sounds, strangely compelling it is quite compelling it, it is fun because hide and seek is fun and because like because it's so lethal that like sneaking up on someone and taking their stuff has a thrill to it like i would distill it as the good bits of daisy delivered relatively reliably compared to daisy but yeah i think i think it'll have a story mode eventually and you know all of its latest trailers show off like crazy gadgets and crazy ballistic systems and mad realism that i don't really feel i have access to at the moment because i I'm only like a level three bear. <laughs> but yes. Tom. Tom. Hello, both of you. <laughs> Thank you for coming here today. I <laughs> gathered you to talk about uh, Fortune 499, which I played a little bit. And this is a, um, my friend Zach Johnson tweeted about this, um, to say that he couldn't remember the last time he was this instantly charmed by a game. And that was a strong recommendation. So I bought it and then I played it and I thought, I can't remember the last time I was so instantly charmed by a game. (laughs) Um, you are a fortune teller. I'm just now getting the title (laughs) because I grasped that it was fortune 500 to play on that. I am only just now grasping that you're also a fortune teller and that's the pun. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's a, I would describe its visual fidelity level, um, as kind of Undertale-esque. <laughs> yeah. um, Undertale. That's an IGN five if you're checking. <laughs> <laughs> Graphics ability five. Um, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit less. I don't want to shit on Undertale at all, but it's, it's a bit nicer. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the art is good. Um, and it's, uh, there's, even though it's quite lo-fi, it, it is at the same time incredibly polished in the, in all the, me- all the ways that matter. Like all of the things that actually affect what a player thinks of your game in the first 30 seconds and the first five minutes and just, um, putting the humor up front. Um, that looks really getting good. you on board and, uh, it, I guess it's fairly slow to kind of get to what the mechanic is because the mechanic is, um, when you fight somebody, your first fighting experience is, uh, a friend teaching you how fighting works and you are just playing rock, paper, scissors, like literally just the hand gestures <laughs> game, uh, which I specify because later on you, you do real fights, but you're still playing rock, paper, scissors. So I assume you're actually throwing rocks at them or like stabbing them with scissors. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it does real damage. Um, 
and they i think they picked an intentionally very basic combat structure because the main mechanic is this uh deck of cards you have and when you draw a new card from you can choose whether to draw a card or not and how many cards to draw uh, but when you draw a card it might have the four of scissors on it and that means that your opponent is plus four likely to draw scissors um and so like the fiction is that you're fortune telling uh the game mechanic really is that you're influencing what they're going to do because by drawing that you've made it more likely that they're going to draw scissors and so now obviously you might want to choose rock because they're that will counter scissors and they're likely to choose scissors. it's not a dead cert by any means it literally just affects the probability and there there actually is a random generation uh sorry a random dice roll thing um and you can draw more cards which is weird because the first thing it tells you is like you can draw more cards but be careful because if you then draw like paper now you've just made it more likely that both these two things will happen so you have less certainty about what they're going to do they might do either of those two things they're probably not going to draw a rock but they're probably going to draw scissors or paper and uh so you have less certainty uh if you did draw another scissors that'd be great but the chances of that are obviously less than the chance of drawing something that contradicts your prediction and makes it just more muddy and less less clear so i was thinking like, why would you ever draw more but as it goes along you get cards that you know increase your mana and then you can spend that mana on spells uh most of which seem to just affect this current turn so but they do things like uh paper and scissors do one less damage from the enemy um so the way the way combat actually works uh, actually resolves is you play rock paper scissors you both choose one of those three things and if you win you do your if you win with rock you do your rock damage to them and by default i think it's they're all one or they're all two or something um but you can also cast spells a buff like just your rock damage and now you've got like a extra incentive to choose rock even if it's even if you don't have a reason to believe it's the most likely thing so if you have like a super powerful rock you actually might not even want to draw a card because if it tells you they're going to do paper that's information you don't want <laughs> like you want to play rock and just the one in three chance of, of killing them outright is better than um, knowing what they're going to play and having a higher chance of doing only one damage to them. Um, if you draw, if you both draw the same thing, then you both do your damage to each other. So if you have a really good rock, like it's actually it's good to do it because even if they pick rock as well, you will do more damage to them than they do to you. Um, so there's this kind of metagame about buffing those things. And I haven't got super far with it, so that's about as complex as it's got so far. Um but the dialogue is really, really good. Your a fortune teller works in an office, um, and the office seems to have other. All the wizards are at like a company retreat to do a team, team building exercise, <laughs> and monsters invade while that's happening. So you're the you're actually not a magic user, and there are other magic users around. You claim that all your powers come from fate, which you seem to think is not magic, um, and so you're kind of like. Uh, uh, claim not to be a magic user, but what you're doing to me. If you're generating mana and casting spells, I would say you're a magic user. <laughs> um, I think a jury of your peers would, would, would bet. Yes. <laughs> Conviction for magic just use. Just I think we do need to, to develop a, a machine learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> this is just like, this is your day job and it's kind of a shitty day job and then it gets invaded by monsters and you fight them a bunch and then <laughs> the point i've got to is like after that you go like to the bar with your friends and you talk about your shitty job again <laughs> and then like you go back the next day i guess to continue fighting monsters there. <laughs> so it's like even after it gets invaded by monsters and it's a, like um, a total crisis it's still just your day job you only do a nine to five the rest of the time it's just downtime <laughs> i think we've all worked in web media <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, I have not played it as much as I should have because I'm suffering from something that uh, sounds like certainly Alex is also suffering from where the good, worthy, charming, lovely new games that people keep recommending to you <laughs> lose out to the game that you've played for a thousand hours already and you keep coming back to again and again and again, which in my case is not Destiny, it's Slay the Spire. Um, and I've gone back to that because they added mods and I wasn't that interested in that at first and then I actually looked at what the mods were and thought, oh, okay, because they're new classes. Um, and a lot of them anyway, the most popular ones. And that's a tall order, like, because classes are the content for for Slay the Spire, like Slay the Spire has three experiences really, and they're the three classes, and uh adding a fourth to that is kind of a big deal. Um but I've been really surprised at how well made they are. I played I played three of them and two of them are good and one of them is a good idea that doesn't quite work out. But the best one is the slime bound, um, which is where you, it's quite an obvious thing to do as, as a mod maker is you take one of the enemies and say, okay, that's the player now and what abilities would they have? Mm-hmm. But to, it's no, no small feat because a class in Slayer's Spire is at least 75 cards, uh, 75 unique cards and you're going to make a deck with, you know, multiples of some of those. Um, and that's a lot of different things going on and, also unique mechanics and also like every it's implicit in the design of slay the spire that each class is kind of about three different ways to play i would say like each one mm-hmm. you know if you're playing as a silent you can go poison you can go shivs or you can go discard and actually there's probably two or three others um and if you if you go defect then you can specialize in like um frost defense or power cards or zero cost cards um and or lightning attack and stuff like that and the slime bound the thing that's impressive to me about it is it does have at least three completely distinct ways to play it i think probably four um you are a slime a slime is an enemy in the game uh, usually the main mechanic with enemies uh, sorry with slime enemies is that when you get them to half health or less they split into two slimes which both have that amount of health um you don't have that as an inherent ability when you play as the slime but you do have a lot of cards that split you and uh when it says split it means it creates a small slime uh which costs you three health and you get that three health back at the end of the fight um assuming you win um and that slime will do something on on the end of your end of the enemy turn actually um which uh, at most basic will be they'll do some damage to the enemy, but some of them do poison to the enemy, some of them do goop to the enemy, and some of them do some damage to the enemy, but also give you some block for the next turn. Um, and so it's you can a bit like the the the, oh, the defect, the, the defect, yeah, the defect and absorbs. It is it is a bit similar to that, um, but but kind of like with a sort of necromancer. If that was the style. only thing they had going on, it would be a bit too derivative, but. Um, yeah, it's cool because making these things sacrifices your max health and it's it, it's very well judged in that if it actually dealt you three damage, I think I just wouldn't do it because it'd be like, well, losing three health is never going to be worth what this pays off. Mm. But because you get it back at the end of the fight, it's kind of a risk reward thing. Like, can I afford, you know, when you're making one slime, sure, three health is no problem. But I have cards that can make like four slimes at once and I'm going to cast those multiple times in a fight. You can have up to 10 and at that point you've lost... 30 health <laughs> and if you survive the fight it's no loss at all you get it all back and there's no way to kind of lose a slime without getting a health back there's no way to, to it's not a risk of of the health but you're on fucking 35 health or something and a good hit from the enemy will just straight up kill you um so that's really interesting 
And then it has a whole load of other mechanics. The goop thing I mentioned um, is a new kind of thing you can apply to enemies, which if they have 10 goop and any attack you hit them with will do 10 extra damage and heal you for five, half the goop, and consume the goop. So that it only works for one attack. But then there's stuff like the attack called It Looks Tasty uh, will, because this is an attack, it consumes goop and you know benefits from it. But it also, its benefit is if they were already gooped, it gives you a lick card. And lick cards <laughs> are zero cost cards that exhaust when you play them, but they always add some goop and they also do some other stuff like add poison or, or add some other things. And so if you have... If they're already gooped and you have it looks tasty, then you hit them with that. That gives you a lick. Then you lick them again. Licks are always free. So then if you have another attack and you have another energy, you can also attack them again and get the benefit of the new goop that you added by licking them again. <laughs> I just feel like, real life. I feel like <laughs> if games give us nothing else culturally, <laughs> they have given us a series of sentences you would never otherwise have said. <laughs> <laughs> uh it was it was weirder when goop used to be called slime and so you're a slime who had some slimes and you would slime people and then get the slime back and it was just every word involved in the whole thing was the word to be slime. fair that's like being any warhammer character <laughs> extremely tight ip <laughs> so the the lick cards and you have a, some other cards that also cost zero and exhaust um all of those end up being a kind of route that you could go down as your whole build because there's also a card that gets them all back so exhaust usually means they're gone for the rest of the fight. Uh, but if you use this one card, I can't remember the name of it, it brings them all back into your hand. Because they're zero cost, you can just do them all right now. And so if you have even one attack and that card, you can end up doing like, you know, eight different uh, licks to the enemy, which stacks up a crazy amount of goop. And if that one attack is, is it looks tasty, you can get all that delicious goop and also get a new lick to lick them again. Oh, God, Tom. Tom. <laughs> it's a good mod. You should play it. Have you been tempted to explore making your own mod? Funny you should ask, because uh, I have, and I'm not going to do it, <laughs> because the idea... I kept thinking what I'd like to... Because I... The thing that slime slime is lacking is that it's not really a totally new mechanic. It's a variation on the defects mechanic. And I was thinking, what totally new mechanic could you do that would be interesting? And I thought something like stances, where like there's a mm. kind of uh, fighter character who has like a, an aggressive stance where all their attacks do more damage, and a defensive stance where all their defense does more damage, and like a neutral stance where they both do what they normally do. Um, and then you could have cards that benefit that, like this power makes your defense stance even more defensive, or uh, this attack both attacks and switches your stance. And it turns out someone's already done a character a lot like that uh, called the Construct, which again is an enemy from the game that they've just made it as a character class. And it doesn't quite work. Um, and I'm not really sure if it's because of the, the concept itself or, or the implementation, but it's one of the things I like about Slay the Spire is that it often feels like cheating. You often get a card that lets you just bypass the only drawback of the other card or multiply something unrestrictedly you know you can triple the poison when you've already tripled the poison once already on this hand because you can have two copies of this card and that kind of stuff you can get totally out of control and you you feel like you've you've found a loophole and bypassed the rules and this does that too much so you can um it it has these modes and you, you switch to defensive mode and you get some dexterity which buffs all your defense cards and you switch to attack mode and then you, you get some strength which buffs all your attack cards but then um the way that's implemented is the card the switch card uh you know subtracts to strength and adds to dexterity 
but it also has a bunch of artifact cards, which um, when you have an artifact on you, that means you'll resist the next debuff. And taking that dexterity away counts as a debuff. So if you have artifact and then you switch modes, you don't get the disadvantage, but you do get the advantage, which is like, okay, that's kind mm. of the sort of thing. Like, it's almost too good, though. That's like, okay, now I just get no disadvantage and I also get the advantage. And then there's a card that uh, switches your dexterity and your strength. So uh, you could, you know, make your defensive mode really, really good. And then if you happen to need attack, you play that card to get really good attack instead of really good defense. But if you have artifact, instead of switching, you just get both. <laughs> because what it, the way it, the, the card doesn't say this, but what it's really doing is debuffing one of them to the lowest level and buffing the other one to the highest level. And because you have artifact, the debuff doesn't count. So they just both stay at the highest mm. possible level. And that's just insane. That just feels like a bug. It's yeah, like, that's so, so I just, buggy. this says it switches the thing. It didn't switch the thing. I just got two yeah, infinitely yeah. good stats and now I'm incredible. <laughs> and so like, I, yeah, there's a threshold of like the loopholiness of Slay the Spire is a positive, but if you go too far with it, it starts to feel like this is just weird now. No, no, don't forget, Slay the Spire is built upon you know untold hours of pe- feedback. Now, yeah, yeah, and also that's ever the case with mods, right? Though inevitably, like some people like the experience of bolting something out of the game that simply kind of breaks it or allows you to feel yeah super powerful. Shall we do some questions from questions of 2019? Yes, please, Chris. Yes. That's my, that's my uh, cheat resistant jazz intro. Questions <laughs> from questions. You won't get me, Dean Lerner. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Lerner can't learn this. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. Watch Dark Place, everybody. It's very good. Um, Sam writes, howdy creatine and power bar. I heard Tom F mention a while ago that he uses a laptop for game development. I'm looking into doing that myself for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, this is kind of a bit of a Rick Sanchez kind of thing. (laughs) And as I'm traveling for that next year, I'll need a portable computer. A portable computer. (laughs) A portable computer. Can you please explain what power-hungry monster rigs you guys use to make video games happen? (laughs) I heard you and he use laptops. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes i do i have used i made almost all of heat signature on a macbook air a 13 inch uh which is very small and light and the fact that it's light was very very good for traveling um but when i switched to unity um i found that 13 inch was too small because unity's um, lots of different windows all at once um and so i switched to a 17 inch which turned out to be too big so now I have a 15-inch laptop, <laughs> which turns out to be just right. Uh, so I now use a Surface Book 2, which is a an amazing laptop. Um, it's beautiful and high performance and um, lovely to use, but it is insanely expensive. <laughs> so I, I can't really recommend it unless you have more money than you should. <laughs> it's a, um, a stupid thing. But the key point, the key takeaway is 15 inches is the right amount of space if you're going to use Unity. Um, and probably for Game Maker as well. It would the have been Goldilocks theory of, of yeah. gaming. 17 inch, it sounds good, sort of thing, but laptop. it's just so fucking heavy and big and it's just difficult. Like, eat, like you go to a cafe to work and it takes up the whole table. So there's no room for a mouse. And so that's yeah. a problem. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I don't think you can a- pass. I don't think you can avoid passing for Dork as well with one of those in public. 
<laughs> I, I've, I've, that ship has sailed for me. Like <laughs> we spend a lot of time, like, sitting in cafes Nero and, 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 <laughs> and Costa's co-working, and it's been unavoidable that entire time. Like, it is hard to... Yeah, I mean, like, half the people in any given cafe have laptops at this point. It's yeah, not, yeah. You don't feel like an outcast. No, I mean, as long as it's not, like, some kind of alienware monstrosity that sounds like a Harrier jump jet taking off, mm. you'd probably be all right. It's got, like, an RGB keyboard, you're kind of on the borderline of, like, yeah. oh, like, we're all nerds, but that guy's a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting, like, most, most, a lot of developers <laughs> don't have high-powered rigs. Even even Unity kind of generally runs 3D uh, in a little window. But Is that true? Um, a lot of indies. Right, yeah, okay. Right. I, I'll qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, I mean, the, the I mean, among the cognis like... There's a lot of MacBooks going around, and they're mm. not that powerful, you know. Yeah. So I do, what I'm saying is, you don't need a powerful m- computer, really. It is. It's kind of good for development because it means you don't have to optimize early, because uh, it's like your unoptimized game is going to run like twice as slow as your optimized game at least. And if you have a good enough computer that that doesn't matter, then you don't get. You can just not worry about it until you have to. Whereas oh, on my MacBook Air, I had to optimize heat signature earlier than i wanted to because it was just i can't play this fucking game (laughs) or like i can play it but it's 15 fps and that doesn't make me it's not that i can't finish the missions it's that i hate (laughs) every second of the experience (laughs) which makes it hard to judge whether i've made a good game or not (laughs) good advice i'm shopping for a laptop at the moment and i might actually get 15 i was looking at 13 inch laptops but maybe i will now go get an amstrad yeah 15 is a nice point <laughs> cart it around with me <laughs> it's got a telephone on it yeah uh no so you have to do what you tell me <laughs> oh uh that's sorry. that band one song. yeah i forgot to say uh, the actual reason i got uh, surface book 2 is that it's one of the few laptops that has a touchscreen and i was suffering from rsi and touchscreen is really nice for like mm. especially for scrolling like you open up tweet deck and you can just like sweep through any column you like uh, without touching a mouse and it's just really nice reach out and touch takes <laughs> yep <laughs> oh my god <laughs> our next question comes from Gus <laughs> <laughs> who writes Chris in episode 248 you were inebriated to call me Gus Rather than my given name, Wes. <laughs> I now have a fun nickname, as several co-workers have taken to referring to me as Gus. <laughs> which is objectively a better and more fun name than my parents saw fit to give me. Thanks? <laughs> Question mark. You are welcome. Question mark. Welcome you're, to the show, Gus. You're very welcome, Andy. Um, <laughs> to all. I have a problem with replaying games, despite a growing Steam backlog. As I suspect many others share, my current ambition is a replay of all three Dragon Age games in preparation for Dragon Age 4. I intend to create for myself a new headcanon, carefully staging the new game. It's Pip! I heard Gus was in the room! (laughs) Shouting through the door, it's Pip! (laughs) Sorry, I just got home, I thought that would be fun. And now I leave! Goodbye, Pip! (laughs) Unless there's a question I should be answering. Uh... Oh, well, we'll get to the end of this one. Um, also, you might need to move slightly closer to Alex's microphone and we won't be able to hear you. Hello. Um, my current ambition is a replay of all three Dragon Age games in preparation for Dragon Age 4. I intend to create for myself a new headcanon, carefully staging a new game and simultaneously, re- simultaneously refreshing my memory on the lore of Thedas. 
I'm still in Ostagar and will almost definitely fail my objective. My question, what games do you find yourself replaying even against your own better judgment? Well, Hexels. I can speed run Hexels. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best time? I don't know. I made that claim because I just <laughs> play it a lot. I can do it quite fast. <laughs> so you're sort of speedrunner who doesn't care about or optimize the time that you play. Now, I may have understood speedrunning to just mean being a bit faster than I started. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> I won't be on awesome games done quick. There's another, there's another part to this question you might be able to help with, Pip. Oh, cool. Um, uh, Charles writes, bonus question. I'm a home brewer <laughs> and have recently made an American IPA steeped with Earl Grey tea. I would be honored to have some proper Brits help me name my tea infused beer. Oh. Hi, that- TA. I don't oh, know what the A yeah, is. Tea Total. Oh, I see. Is there an Earl that has beer in their name? <laughs> the Earl of Beer, I believe, has the beer. The Earl of Beer. There you go. <laughs> Earl uh... Frank of Beer. <laughs> well, if you guys do the other question, I'll have a think. <laughs> plug in the mind tank. <laughs> um, so I was going to say that I actually recently replayed Dragon Age, Junks of Dragon Age Origins for my final bit of writing for PC Gamer, which is a weird thing to have done. Um, and um, that is a big old journey to go on. Uh, I don't know if I would go on it all again now, although I'm very excited about the prospect of a fourth one. In terms of games I return to over and over again when I shouldn't, because other games exist, maybe Dishonored? Oh, I Yeah, Dishonored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Pip, lean in. Oh, IP Grey. Oh, IPA. You see? I feel like you've crushed the two words together and neither of them are happy anymore. Like no, a wheezing, dying work, But I thought it, and then I wanted to say it, and I feel like Alex is parrot right now. I'm, I'm, She's hovering I'm over bit. my shoulder. No. Ah! What about beer? Don't bite my ear. Beer IPA hot. Nice. Yeah, that? no, what, I get what, what, what? it. I get it. <laughs> beer IPA hot. I get it. I understand. See if they get it. They don't. <laughs> it's a, it's a Picard expression. reference. It's a John Luke Picard reference. Beer like, IPA hot. I don't know that. That's what you'd order the reference. No, no, wait, hang on. Beer IPA hop. <laughs> oh yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerd stuff. I think it's nerd so, stuff. Right. T Earl Grey nerds. hot. Surely? Surely. Is that really unfamiliar to you? Surely. T Earl Grey hot is a. Yeah. Don't know that reference. Yeah. No. Wow. No. no, we did it. We did it. <laughs> beer. Chris and I, I know it's solved yeah. now. Beer IPA hop is the is the thing you call it. Surely it's important as to whether Gus slash Wes knows <laughs> what this reference is. Chuck. <laughs> did I actually get those names right while listening uh, to the door? We yeah. no one yeah. can truly know okay, what cool. Wes's name is. Okay. <laughs> sure. Especially Wes. <laughs> Uh, that yes. Anyway, that um, that about wraps up that question. Does it? No one else answered the I question. I think it has three hundred and sixty-five degrees of sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why three hundred sixty-five? <laughs> That's five degrees more than you need to go full circle. Just to be complete. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying that we answered the question. <laughs> All right. Next one comes from Kane. <clears throat> it's more of a notification than a question, but it's a good one. Thought you might like to know the community game of the year vote is over and the results are up at link that will be in the show notes. Um, That's a bit presumptuous. 
I it, write it for yourself, true. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I can forecast my own future actions to some extent. Uh, many deserving games won, but sadly, Chris Thurston's Photoshop face, despite being in the autocomplete, failed to receive even a single vote. We'll have to do better next year. Um, so thank you for everyone who didn't vote for me. <laughs> just perpetuating a running thing I didn't start. Um, I how, think, uh, if I remember correctly, Subnautica was number yeah, one. Yeah, I was going to get to that. So, how, so the question is, how did the community's opinions match up to yours? And were you right or were we right? And happily, we were all Everyone was right. right. It was, yeah, there's a good good synergy between the community well, and, and us. Um, yeah. I was also uh, really chuffed that uh, Heat Signature came in at number 12. Yeah. Which well, is pretty good the, for a game that didn't come out that year. Rundown? <laughs> Could, we yeah, need some music, rundown. really, but yeah. Pip? A good brew. That's a, a thing. Oh, yeah, that's you good. brew tea and you brew ale. <sighs> I don't know. Is it going to be beer, IPA, pop? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apparently it will. In the, I think, non-nerds like me and Alex yeah. will understand it. People who are into, like, homebrew IPAs are all nerds. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no exception. If you're talking about American IPA, you're exclusively aiming this at the at the people who frequent kind of beer and barbecue and burger places in, like, the Pacific Northwest. Or, like, I was in Austin recently, so Austin. Like, Can so- you get an American IPA? Doesn't the I... Yeah, look, I, well, no, I've got a bottle downstairs. Yeah, it's a thing. It's literally Don't worry, true. They're, they're allowed. They're okay. allowed to do this. No, I genuinely... It's because IPA like doesn't it. mean anything, really. Um, but, like... <laughs> you tell that and to what I'm saying is that American will be in your mentions. Indian pale ale. That's, that's yeah. a dangerous combination. But it's not because no. it was made in India, it's because British troops in India wanted a beer that wouldn't spoil in the hot temperature. I did not know Good that. fact. But the point is, yes, it is mostly consumed by people who will understand a TNG reference. So <laughs> yeah. The point stands. Um, Does TNG stand for the new... Total nerd Oh my God, <laughs> You're faking this at this point, right? <laughs> I know what that means. It's John luc Picard game. <laughs> John luc Picard. <laughs> John luc Kippard. <laughs> As it was pronounced before the Norman invasion. <laughs> John Paul Kipperman. Hey! John Paul Kipperman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got. Should I go? No. <laughs> it has generated, but it, it's amazing. Like, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's like that uh, fell off, didn't it? Quickly. Yeah, I, I have no said. idea. Like, Sorry. we may have. Listeners will definitely know by now if this even works trying to record when people do with one microphone. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, anyone else? Apologies. Um, so we've got 10 runners up and 10, a top 10 for the games of 2018 from the community. Let's go through them. So the top 10 runners up are in 10th place, Artifact. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this is sort of 20th place overall. So in 20th place, and, and at least if we say in 20th are they place. In, in- is there a number on them, or are they yeah. just yes, like there are, in a yes. ten? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. in twentieth place, um, thus managing to come higher than its own concurrent player count. <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows how to pick a hit. <laughs> <laughs> My second place for game of the year, Artifact. In ninth place, a game I haven't played, but have heard other people talk about at great length. God. Of war. Goddy war. God of war. PC. No. Yeah. Oh. The community is not limited in the <laughs> way that we are. Yes? I don't know. Because <laughs> I know literally. Prove it's not true. Does that mean that Pocket Camp will be on there? Yeah. 
it, it could be, but it, <laughs> it might means not it's be. eligible. But it means you can vote for it, Pip. Now, finally. oh, brilliant! The community's not constrained. It's free. Like we are. Cool. In in nineteenth, uh, no, in eighteenth place, Warframe. 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 <laughs> Cultists. In seventeenth place, Alex. <laughs> Cultist Simulator. In sixteenth place, Pillars of Eternity Two, Deadfire. In fifteenth place, Prey. Did the moon crash? Oh, I thought that said Minecraft. Prey. Prey Minecraft. Prey Minecraft. Got a great different DLC, guys. And uh, immersive sims are kind of dying, but uh, you know what's hot? It's just fucking add Minecraft. Put a Minecraft on it. Fourteenth place, the deserving Warhammer Vermintide Two. In thirteenth place. Spider-Man, or to give it its full name, Insomniac's Marvel's Sony's Spider-Man. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the fact that like, not only do all of these games have cover art on this website, but they uh, Kane has also made them like fade in between multiple different cover arts yeah, for each option. Thus pulsing. putting more effort into it than I've ever put into a YouTube thumbnail image for the Creighton Crowbar. <laughs> yeah, this I slightly resent this. we did. Hey, is, if you watch the heat signature one long enough, it's going to switch to a screenshot season. of a, the Adventure Time episode where they mention a fictional movie called Heat Signature. <laughs> In 12th place, Heat. There it is. Seek Nature. <laughs> I misread that. Yay. <laughs> it's a hot spectrum. Hot spectrum. <laughs> In, I can't read that for In 12th place. Such a good game. Hot spectrum. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> The long-awaited <laughs> follow-up to Pistol Poke. <laughs> <laughs> we he's just not dropped that many places since last year, the year that it actually I think came you mean out. Hot in. Signal. <laughs> hot Spectrum has not dropped that many places since last year when it actually came out, which is great. I'm very pleased about that. In obviously, this community is biased, but uh, I will take it. In eleventh place, Dead Cells. A very good game. Probably should be higher, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not in the top ten. It yeah, came up for me on my Steam recommended list when I was doing a search for hidden object games. And I feel like that's not right. <laughs> there are so many objects hidden inside yeah, those are. enemies. Yeah. The objects are called cells, and if you kill them... I feel like I was hugely misled. I've solved the puzzle. They're inside the I bad guys. I've it. <laughs> <laughs> now we get on to the top 10 games of 2018 in 10th place uh Yakuza 0. A pick Tom senior would approve of if he were here. He's not he's at the top of the spire right now. <laughs> Lost. He is. As being, a with a fox. being extracted by animal care <laughs> professionals. <laughs> he's been mis- mistaken for a fox. In the direction of Canary Wharf. Yeah. Given a check. <laughs> <laughs> Did you did you mean the shard rather than the spire? I did, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like all into the Slay the Spire references, but then I was like, I've been left behind here. There's a fox now in the spire. In ninth place, Battletech. I'm a bit of a Battletech fan. Is yeah. That, what, That's the mech, one? the mech strategy game that I reviewed for you. Uh, <laughs> I read that. I read that. <laughs> 
Did you edit that with your hands or did you edit a pair with your face? Because uh, I read your reviews intro. Oh, <laughs> Look, when a pair is ripe, you have to pounce. Yeah. Like, you do not get any a second seconds, yeah, Which is very relevant wasted. to the kinds of strategic opportunities that you're afforded <laughs> oh, nice. nice. by hairbrain <laughs> schemes. Oh, I thought you were going to be able to Celeste and the strawberries. No, this yeah. is the, go- the golden joysticks. <laughs> <laughs> We've got that creative architect. I did write that <laughs> script for the Golden Joysticks, Alex. It's not a coincidence that I can speak awards nonsense. <laughs> uh, in eighth place, it is indeed Celeste. Cool. Indeed. In That's seventh, really were we things. asking? Shout out to Celeste for its accessibility options, because yeah. I would literally would not have bought it if it wasn't possible to like slow down time and turn off death. <laughs> <laughs> things everyone wishes they could do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and on that note, number seven, it's Hitman 2, also known as Hitman 6. Isn't Have you... Hitman, Hitman 2 one two. as well? No. It contains <laughs> Hitman 1. It contains oh, Hitman yeah, 1, yeah. yeah, in the manner of Sonic and... So and by Hitman, Hitman 1, two, we two, mean Hitman, like, 19. Open bracket, <laughs> Hitman 1-1. One, one. <laughs> What are you even saying? Yeah. Chris, have you done any elusive targets in this Hitman? I have not even played this Hitman. Okay. Because I, I have now... Why did you call me out specifically on this? Well, I remember with Hitman 1, uh, we were all happy doing elusive targets, and then you failed one, and you were just like, fuck how, this forever. How much, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I fucked I'm, it forever so much, I haven't played the sequel. <laughs> I'm right there where you were now, because I fucked the last one uh, forever. They don't um, let you do that in Hitman 1. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was this a sex joke? It was a sex joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it totally forever. went past me. I was like, you can't fail them in Hitman 1? What are you talking about? <laughs> you can, just not like that. It um, seems that John Luke Picard's jokes work. Sean Bean, I killed, but not... In a way that was stylish, but not in a way that the game recognises as stylish. Sean Bean in TNG? No, yeah. he's in season two of Hitman. Oh. <laughs> Bean, oh great, hot. <laughs> Bean, Ned Stark, dead. <laughs> His bodies pour out of the replicator. Um, well, I guess I don't know what I expected. <laughs> in uh, in sixth place, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's a good game. That does have a transmogrify function. It does. I have now used. It was yeah. added in a patch. Yeah. Um, I look fabulous now. <laughs> Unrelatedly, uh, and I, I still have good. Stats. I haven't quite finished it yet, and it's really annoying because they've just fucked something up with the story in the DLC that I haven't played yet in a way that's pissed everybody in the oh, world. Oh yeah, off. yeah, I know what you mean. And it's a slight spoiler, so I won't get into it. Needless yeah. to say, oh no, they did so well, and then they have they they done have beefed yep. upon it. But they've beefed in 2019. <laughs> hmm? Yes, they have. So, so for the game, so the game so the it's blameless. <laughs> this holds. Right. In um. In fifth place, it's a game we haven't spoken about nearly enough. It's Slay the Spire. <laughs> if only someone would talk about Slay the Spire some more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it must be competing for a Spelunky slash Dota <laughs> yeah. for most episodes mentioned in a year, at least. Has anyone complained about it? No one's complained yet, so this is your chance. They're all too busy playing Slay the Spire. <laughs> Indeed. Um, in fourth place, Monster Hunter World. Uh, another worthy choice. An excellent game where you do big flips, hit dinosaurs, and profit from the results. <laughs> It very faded. Like, it had its moment, it felt like, in the office, at least, and then sort of yeah. just everyone moved on. Oh, cowards. But don't all things fade with time? <laughs> we just had other clothes to wear, Alex. <laughs> other monsters to slay. It's the highest-ranked game that I have not played in this thing, because the next three are all things I played and loved. 
In third place, it's um, Tom Francis's Game of the Year, Into the Breach. Into yeah. Breach. Into the Breach. The best game about pushing insects into a lake hmm. in yep. 2018. Yeah. It, yeah. If you push some insects into a lake and into the breach and you're not happy, I don't know what to tell you. You've got to work on yourself. Side right now. You've you got to stop reviewing games and work on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I feel so called out. Of a, <laughs> did you into the bridge? Sort of a Randy Pitchfordian take there. You went for it. Um, so, uh, and in second place, it's, um, Return of the Obradin. Here we go, Obradin. The nice. long awaited follow up to the Obradin. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. And to Obradin began. And I was like, ah, the, the ship is great, but I want to know what happens, like, after it leaves port. <laughs> I love exploring. One I love great- these characters, but I want to know, like, do they ever come into any kind of peril? We all or enjoyed- are they just fine forever? We all enjoyed the, yeah, the, the fact that the first game just gave us 60 happy sailors. <laughs> and they're uh, all fine. <laughs> yeah. They and- competed in a dance competition as the underdogs. And- yeah. You had to sketch yeah. them all on deck yeah. and show, like, oh, Obr- like, yeah, they're all happy. Obradin up to the streets. <laughs> And then up to the seas. Yeah, up to the seas. And they got to the seas. What lay beyond that? Only seashell peril, unfortunately, and death. Um, it was a good game. It was a good game. game. A good game. You you think is that person this person? And the game says no. Yeah, well, the yeah. face is still blurry. <laughs> wow, very different experience. <laughs> <laughs> you finished it yet, Alex? No. What was it like speedrunning it, Pip? <laughs> Oh, it was, uh, it's very easy. I just, I, I put all the what's your, what's your into place. Time? And, what's your time? What's the word for time? Now, look, let's not be measuring. Speedrunning is not about time. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about the feeling of, mm. of, of having rushed yourself. And of, of being slightly out of control as you press buttons and aren't quite sure if it's going to work or not. But then it does. And then you get a cup of tea slightly earlier than you thought you would. That's speedrunning, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> awesome games done quick enough to go to bed a bit early that's it <laughs> hmm. yeah in first place the Crit and Crowbar community game of the year is Subnautica they copied us Yay. they did which means that we are <laughs> aligned on this because the only game that got two votes from me and Pip um it was I feel like it was a bit stiffed in the OGFs the OGFs is a very mm. very good list of nominees but the Subnautica is <laughs> the phrase not- stiffed in the IGFs is a <laughs> This one yeah, my tombstone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I was not at all stiff in the yeah. <laughs> Very well celebrating the idea. Uh, but the Subnautica <laughs> only got honourable mentions. Of anything. I don't know. And everything else I like this year got okay. something. Like, IGF it was a really good list. Other than <laughs> Sorry. I'm just remembering the words you said and using them <laughs> in a joke. <laughs> That's how speedrunning works. Yes. A cup of tea. Yeah, so I'm going to go only honourable mentions, and I feel like I I can see why like it's not Nuovo or whatever, but I feel like for the grand prize it should have been a nominee. Yeah, so it's a very good game. It's just I, I almost wonder if it's too good. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is it's so accomplished and so polished and so it works so well that it's almost like not indie anymore because it's yeah. too good. Mm. I was sat next to the 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 guys from Unknown Worlds at the Golden Joysticks where they won two awards, and I, I knew they were gonna win two awards because i was the director of that event so i did know that but um i felt a bit weird sitting next to them thinking like telling them how good i thought their game was 
because I genuinely do think it's wonderful and it's a public vote, the joystick. So I had nothing to do with them winning two awards. It's just the fact that they weren't maybe a deserving game, but that sort of like slight feeling like you may have convinced someone that you've lured them into your house to give them prizes, <laughs> which is like a stress dream only I have had. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be lured into a house and given prizes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is for all sentences. Gretel happens. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to give a shout out at the bottom of this list actually to not just, the, so there were a bunch of honorable mentions, which were games that didn't make it quite, which there's, there's too many to go into, but, um, there is the special considerations, which are games that only one person voted for. <laughs> and above all of this, there are games that, uh, were that person's game of the year, uh, despite being the oh, only nice. person to put that in the position. So I'm going to read out those ones because I think they're a fun kind of list. Uh, we have Almanac of Girl Swamp War Territory. And I have no idea what this is, but must Google it immediately. I feel like I might make it. We have Fallen London, which is in... You know, did the ranking just change? Sorry. Yes, I think like, the ranking did just change. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2. it refreshes two. and moves them around in a... I can't do, because 2018 is over. <laughs> yeah. No, we need at least like, this. They move around. Like, I think the bottom ones do. The whole what ranking is a farce. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get through this, then we can close this cursed window. Um, Sid Meier's... Oh, it's oh, happened again! They've all changed. Okay, all the games of 2018 have changed. <laughs> We've got to do 2018 again, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Back to the start. Oh, we lost. God, no. We Don't lost. make me go back. We lost the save. Um, <laughs> Sid Meier's Civilization Six: Rise and Fall. Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. I just find this interesting oh, in terms of things people yeah. played last year and loved. Final Fantasy XV, Episode Ignis. Fuck knows what that means. Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate for the Monster Hunter fan. That's the Cognoscenti's one. Yeah. <laughs> it's your word of the day, isn't it? Hmm. You said it, it twice. No. You did. You started saying it earlier. What is your word of the day, then? Cognoscenti, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but if you if it's that not it that, you've got to combine oh, okay. all the information. <laughs> uh, <the> headphones. <laughs> Could you see headphones? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. Wow. Sound Someone choice. just now discovering that. Game of the Year. Uh, Dusk. That's yeah, Gran that Turismo Sport. Near Automata. Can you see in that list Splay the Sire? <laughs> because I know at least one person submitted that. Uh, I, I cannot, but it might arbitrarily refresh at any time. <laughs> Um, I think Starcraft it's the same game. Oh, it's happened again. No, I think it might be pulling... It's longer or shorter. Mm-hmm. I think it might be pulling from a total list that we can't see. That's what might be happening. Unexplored, Dwarf Fortress, because, of course, Iconoclasts, Pyre, and Tacoma. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Kane, for all of the work you did yeah. to Good arrange job. the Game of the Year, Community Game of the Year. And thanks, Very of well course, done. to our amazing Discord community who continue to... Uh, be uh, amazing and insightful regardless of the amount of effort we do or don't put into this podcast. <laughs> How bound we are by something really simple like a page refreshing. Ooh. Well, the, indeed. Uh, the we are in the, your yeah. zoo, not the other way around. <laughs> the Game of the Year channel in our Discord um, also contains uh, links to people writing about the Games of the Year. So there's a lot of people have written up like why their Game of the Year is their Game of the Year. Links to our Discord will be in the show notes which you, you very much should be a part of because it's it's a bit uh, presumptuous. It's, what? <laughs> Alexander Witcher. <laughs> Don't come at me in my place of power. The show notes. <laughs> <laughs> my domain. 
I will write you out of the show notes, Alex. You know I can. <laughs> oh. Or Chris is and it, Tom this week discuss. <laughs> or is it Wes now? Hmm? Later, a special guest shows up. Don't make me Wes. You're Wes Even now. Wes has disowned the Wes is Wes. Gus. You are Wes. <laughs> Our final question. Um, oh, I'm gonna go. Okay. <laughs> no, Pip. Actually, you're really podcast. good for this one. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> it's a, as in it's a it's a relatively serious thing, and I think you'd be good for it. That's up, Alex. <laughs> uh, Tessa writes, "Hi, crates." Uh, and I appreciate this is a question we received a little while ago because we didn't do questions in the Game of the Year pod, but I want to get to it. Uh, this past week, I've been hit like an unexpected brick by my yearly bout of seasonal affective disorder and are by, terms ter- ter- by turns terrified and miserable. Uh, do you have any recommendations for low-key, hopeful, cheery-uppy games, ideally ones without too much death or existentiality? Thanks very much. Tessa. Tiny Bird Garden Deluxe. Oh, See, I told you people would be good for this. It's more on the idle game end of the spectrum, but it's lovely to just have open in a window. Um, it's a, a, a slightly expanded version of a mobile game of the same name. The mobile one's free to play. I think the desktop one is about a fiver, and all you're doing is you are putting out some seed and some toys and attracting lovely birds to your garden, and they'll say lovely little things like, I just want to be a good bird. <laughs> and like, you know so it's just really cute and uplifting and you can put little hats on them <laughs> it's so good and give them treats <laughs> like, you know like it <laughs> really like it and i just think whatever else you're doing it's quite nice to just pop back every now and again and check in on them <laughs> mm. i was going to suggest um slime rancher for this yes also mm. good mm. sorry that was creepy yeah because uh, mm. it's another pip favorite pip knows can you goop people in slime rancher you can but you can't lick them <laughs> you, uh, so it's 50 you can the suck there. slimes into a little vacuum cleaner is that called licking no <laughs> it's important what it's called tom's, tom's now quite into licking slimes and gooping as long as it's zero cost i'm not gonna pay for licking is this a video <laughs> game? This He's a Tumblr boy, thing. not a Patreon boy. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> um, right, I'm not engaging with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyone else's suggestions for lovely kind of light games that don't have too much darkness in them? I, it's not mega positive, and obviously there are, there are da- there's a dark side to it, but I, I did discover Candy Crush over the break. Because <laughs> mm. I, I was, I have an iPad, and I was just like watching TV, and I wanted to, there's a lot of stuff on TV that's not entirely worthy of my attention, but I kind of like want to consume it anyway. And so playing some kind of game that also doesn't require my entire attention is is a good fit. And I thought, I didn't think of Candy Crush. I thought Bejeweled, like there must be a great new version of Bejeweled that, that's, that, that works. And there is, and it's just, there is a version of Bejeweled where they just looked at Candy Crush and like, I think, I don't know that chronology for sure, but I'm pretty sure they looked at Candy Crush and just like, let's do everything they're doing, but not quite as well. <laughs> and so then I just installed Candy Crush and was like, oh, Candy Crush is actually pretty fucking good. Um, it's just a really good take on the, the match three thing. And it's, I've been amazed at how little it has tried to persuade me to spend any money at all. I'm literally just playing the free version. It has a bunch of things to engage with that I don't have to engage with. It just pops up and says like, would you like to do this thing? And I'm like, no, I just want to play the next level. And then it's like, I, I can pay for all these boosters Mm. But the levels, you know, you can pass them pretty easily. And then it's, did you get three stars or did you get one star or, or two stars or whatever? And if I don't get three stars, I have to replay it. And when I do that, 
And it's like, oh, you could easily afford boosters with this, not even with paying any money, but just with the in-game currency you've, you've amassed. I'm like, no, because I want to know, like, I want to know, can I do it? Like, mm. can I get the three stars just by actually playing well? And I don't want any boosters at all. And even given that, it actually just gives me a bunch of boosters anyway, because it's like, oh, it's fucking Christmas. And so you get 19 million amazing things. And uh, I don't mind that so much but i'm certainly not going to pay for anything that they ever give me so it's surprising how much it's designed not to persuade me to spend any money Mm. uh but i appreciate it it's just like a really relaxing game that just always has something more for you to do that's always satisfying it's always telling you yes you did great and it's just you know it's match three with a bunch of extra stuff put on it and it just feels really good to play gardenscapes is my version of that um like, I think it, it sounds from what you're saying, I haven't played Candy Crush in a while, but I think Gardenscapes is slightly more trying to persuade you to spend a bit, but it also is, you know, generous enough that I don't. So, and, um, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. So <laughs> I have spent a lot of time on that game. Um, and also hidden object games. I really like them mm. for when I'm in a not fun place because it's mm. just like you can actually like just tidy objects into the right places and be told, well done, <laughs> you know, like that. Mm. That is all of the questions we've got time for this evening. Oh, thank goodness. My bum's fallen asleep. Oh, my back's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I brought this on myself. You can have one of those two components of your body, but not both. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. Not at all. If you would like to send us a question for each episode of The Crate and Crowbar, you can do so by emailing us at questions at com. You can follow us and interact with us on Twitter at Crate and Crowbar. Thanks, as ever, to our Patreon backers who support this podcast and its spin-offs. You can find out more about supporting the podcast on our Patreon page, which is at patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. We've mentioned our Discord community a bunch of times already, but it's very good. And you can find out more about it on our website, which is at CrateandCrowbar.com. There's a link to Discord in the nav bar, as the kids are calling it. <laughs> uh, we we have a YouTube channel where we upload uh, still images accompanied by two and a half hours of talking. I don't understand YouTube. No. Uh, once upon a time, we did some Bloodborne videos and, and maybe <laughs> that'll happen again. But in the meantime, you can find that at youtube.com forward slash crate and crowbar. If you'd like to follow us individually, you can do that if you like. I'm on Twitter at cthurston, that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. I, Tom, am at Pentadact, P-E-N-T-A-D-E-C-T. I, Alex, am at Rotational, R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. I was going to say that I was pip.net, but that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to go to pipnet? (laughs) Pip.net. Lover.net. P-I-P.net. Oh, do you know what I love? Lover.biz. Pip.biz. <laughs> and it's Pip.biz. You've missed your window. <laughs> TLA is very expensive. There's too much nonsense too quickly. It's goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. And thanks Bye. for listening, everybody. Listening. everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>